You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back once again to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding Star Wars The Last Jedi, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the Han Solo movie, and all the other awesome and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? One more week, Kyle. One more week. (laughs) Almost there. (laughs) Oh, man, it's crazy. We're talking about how our last episode that we recorded last week, how crazy it was. We're just two weeks away, but now (laughs) we're just a week away. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's insane, man. Um, We're not even talking about The Last Jedi this much on this episode. Um, As promised, this is going to be our full breakdown of Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I'm very excited to talk about that as well. But yeah, as we're sitting here recording this, it is Thursday night, December 7th. We have exactly one week till The Last Jedi comes out. I mean, officially it comes out on the 15th, so that's eight days from today. But you and I and all the other hardcore fans out there, I'm sure, are most likely going to like a uh, a preview night show on Thursday of next week. Um, man, I just I can't believe it's this close. And at the same time, I'm like, it's about freaking time because it feels like we've been looking forward to this forever. So, uh, yeah, trust me, I'm definitely not complaining at all that this is right around the corner. Bring it on. I know, right? I'm looking at my clock right now at 6.50. That means exactly one week and it'll be 10 more minutes I'll have to endure until the last Jedi begins. Well, maybe not exactly 10 minutes because i got to sit through trailers and all that. But <laughs> Oh, yes, you know I forgot. We're, we're an hour off now, so you've got a week and 10 minutes. I've got a, a week minus 50 minutes because it's 7.50 for me right now. Yeah, um, so you're going to be an hour. You're going to be seen in an hour ahead of me. Which, I you know, know. Not too happy about, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll just be talking with all my friends here in Arizona when I get out of the movie and geeking out with them. And then as soon as you get out, then I'll be like, Tim, did you just see that? Yeah, I know. You'll be kicking out all over again. <laughs> yeah. And gosh, I don't know when exactly we're going to be doing our review episode for The Last Jedi. Because um, I, I don't know. That, that whole weekend is going to be crazy. I think 
there's a good chance the two of us might also be on a uh, roundtable discussion episode for the Thunderquack Podcast Network talking about the movie as well. Um, but yeah, at some point within, you know, a week or less of the movie coming out, we'll have you know our huge breakdown episode for that, obviously. Um, I might want to do that after I've seen it a couple times, because I'm sure the first time we'll just need to sit and digest and process everything yeah. that we just saw. But um, man, I cannot wait. I know it definitely got us. I just love that whole weekend when a new Star Wars movie came out. You see it the Thursday night, and then Friday, I go shopping for all the new books, the soundtrack, and all that. And then usually, what I like to do, what I did for Force Awakens and Rogue One, like either that Saturday or Sunday, see it again. You know, like you said, probably after the first viewing, we'll need to di- digest and take in what we just saw. And then the next time you go in, just, you know, just now that you know what to expect and all the twists and turns, you can just sit back and take it all in and see, you know, how you get a better gauge on the movie as a whole once you see it a second time after just, you know, that first time, just such an exhilarating experience and then just taking it all in. You got, it takes a little bit to uh, kind of process what you saw and how you feel about it. So that, that whole weekend is going to be so much fun. There's nothing but Star Wars. So mm-hmm. uh, it's so great. Every, you know, this is our third time going around now <laughs> with the Star Wars movie Yeah, uh, to close out the year. And it's been great. It's like, it's just awesome looking forward to this time of year and just, how awesome it's been the last two. And I know it's going to be the same for the last Jedi. Yeah, definitely. And even just this past week, I've been kind of reminiscing on like the last two releases and listening to the soundtracks for uh, rogue one and the force awakens on my way to work. And, um, you know, just getting all excited for, I've been kind of slowly making my way through the movies again. Um, so I, I've, the last one I watched was a new hope. Um, and I still need to get through empire Jedi and the force awakens. And I might try to watch rogue one again too. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely want to try to at least get to The Force Awakens like the day before the movie comes out. Um, yeah. And then a week from today, I am leaving work, heading straight to the theater, and it is go time, baby. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I was excited we are about seeing it. I mean, this could be it for, you know, no more wondering about Ray's parents and all those type of things that we've expected on for years now. Like, oh, oh, I know. Come to a close next week. I mean, we'll see if they really fully reveal everything about her i have a feeling they're not going to reveal or share all her history and information but i'm sure we'll get a big chunk of new information regarding her history which you know will put an end to some of the speculation and then you know all that stuff that we've been doing since the podcast started so it's mm-hmm. going to be you know not it's kind of weird to say because it's not episode nine but the end of an era kind of <laughs> for ray because he's such a big focus of you know all the speculations that we've done for so many episodes so we just kind got one of. more week yeah, and and you know I, that is definitely one big plot point that we're looking forward to finally getting some answers on. But man, there's still going to be so much to break down and speculate about. I'm sure this movie is going to raise more questions than it answers, and uh, you know even the questions that it does give us answers to, then it's going to be like, well, what did we think of those answers, and what do those answers mean, and could those answers lead to more questions, or you know what are the implications of this, and. Man, I I just can't wait to see what sort of the landscape of Star Wars is like in the aftermath of this. Um, but yeah, we've it definitely only... seems like it's going to change a lot of that landscape for sure. With yeah, some of the reveals you might get. Yeah, uh, but thankfully we've only got one more week to wait to get some of these answers. Um, you know, obviously the hype and the marketing and the excitement is all in full swing right now. 
Um, Maybe a little too much. <laughs> yeah, which TV also spot. means, unfortunately, the spoilers are yep. a little bit in full swing right now, too. And I'm not talking about, like, leaks from, you know, people who've seen the movie already. I think the premiere isn't till next week. Um, no, it's this Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was, like, Monday or something, but... Um, but it hasn't happened yet. So it's not like there are spoilers out on the internet from people that have, you know, been to preview screenings and stuff. But there are a ton of TV spots out right now. Um, and we kind of talked about this on our last episode, but just they keep coming. There was also a new international trailer that was just released a few days ago. Um, and, you know, we had talked about that on our last episode too, how um, sort of the first official international trailer that was released right after the last big main trailer came out didn't really have a whole lot of new stuff in it well this one apparently does i haven't watched it yet um but (laughs) yeah that's that's the word on the street is that this one has you know a lot more new scenes and some stuff that could be considered minor spoilers um and then gosh these tv spots again i haven't been watching any of them but then like star wars news sites and fan pages and stuff that you follow on social media all want to be you know keeping up with the news and you know be getting the likes and the clicks and stuff and so they're sharing all of these and some of like i i saw one today that was pretty spoilery just from the screenshot of it that i saw in a post on my facebook news feed and was like star wars underworld love you guys but i'm unfollowing you until after the movie comes out um (laughs) Because I'm like, come on, man. Like, why would you put that as the header for your article? Like, post about the TV spot. Fine. Let people watch it if they want to. But, like, why are you going to put that image out there in front of everybody? Um, Obviously, I'm not going to say what it is for people that don't want to be spoiled on it. If you're curious and you do want spoilers, I'm sure you know where to find them. Um, But, yeah, man, I mean, I kind of feel like I'm trying to navigate a ship through an asteroid field right now and come out on, you know, unscathed on the other side and, you know, not know anything going into the movie. Um, and I've already got a little dinged up so far. <laughs> I know the sadly to say the safest bet right now is to go full on blackout on social media. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, you would like to hopefully see, you know, the people you follow and all that, uh, you know, not, loud out say or post an image of what the spoiler it is what the spoiler is but sadly that not a, that's not always the case and sometimes it's where you know it can kind of be your own fault if you're still looking on like twitter and all that stuff where it shouldn't be but sometimes the, the landscape that we're living in now when it comes to this stuff you kind of have to expect it being this close and if you're still on there it's probably going to happen so mm-hmm. what makes it kind of frustrating is that um, you know disney lucasfilm whoever put together these tv spots are still putting that type of stuff in these TV spots now being so close. And it's like, really, you have to put something like that in there <laughs> or this late in the game? Because if it's, you know, coming from an official source, I think that kind of, you know, spurs on for like some fans to think, okay, this is, it's fair game now because it's coming yeah. from an official source that I could share and, you know, not worry about potential spoilers. So it's kind of, you know, I'm more disappointed on the officials side of things that they're putting this out there this late in the game so yeah it's you really got to be careful if you're going on social media which i still am and i did find out what that was just from a description or a header so you know it's kind of like i said you got to be very careful if you see anything you can't really blame too much other than yourself because you know how it is out there i mean it's not like you're going in expecting everyone to you know 
you know, not share spoilers or what that you can't, you know, troll everybody and what they post and whatnot. So you just got to be extremely, extremely careful if you're still on social media right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I don't expect to see that stuff as much on Facebook. Like I am staying, I think I'm going to stay off of Twitter completely until after the movie comes out. Um, but, you know, I still check Facebook just to keep up with my friends and stuff. And sometimes I forget that I, like, follow that many Star Wars pages on Facebook, too. Um, but, yeah, definitely, you know, it's like we're going to be tiptoeing through a minefield for the next week here. And hopefully we can go seven more days without them releasing anything else too, you know, revealing or, you know, too spoilerific. So, um yeah, hopefully, you know, there won't be too much more of that stuff, but we'll see. I'm sure there'll be a new TV spot by the time we're done recording this episode. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> Who but knows it? it'll probably just be the 56th different recut of the footage <laughs> from the trailer. You know, hopefully there's not uh, any more big reveals in there. Um, but, oh, man, this is going to be just so unbelievably exciting i don't know if we're gonna do one more episode next week to just kind of do a uh a pre-movie like hype up episode um but i mean this could also kind of serve that purpose but we're gonna get to talking about battlefront in a second um but i mean regardless just the fact that we're seven days away from a new star wars movie and just thinking about everything that's going to come along with that and getting to finally sit down and discuss this movie and dissect it and think you know okay after all the speculation and all the build-up like what did we think about it after seeing it it's gonna be awesome man oh i know i'm I'm more than ready to see it and to have my butt in that theater seat and just be a gross with a hopefully an amazing star wars story it just i've been thinking about too where you know this is kind of the first time we're going to be seeing you know a new full story with luke skywalker in it for me anyway you know, for the first time as everybody else. I mean, because The Force Awakens, we all know that. He was in the last <laughs> shot of the movie. So it doesn't really technically count as a full-blown new Star Wars movie with Luke Skywalker involved. And this one, like I said, not being able to see the original trilogy when they first came out in theaters. So this will be the first time I'll be seeing a new Star Wars movie with, you know, a substantial part for Luke Skywalker to play in it for the first time along everybody alongside everybody else. So to me, that's very exciting. So yeah, that's a good adding to it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Luke is pretty much the main reason I'm excited for this movie, although there's a ton of reasons, but um, yeah, I can't wait to see all that unfold. Can't wait to pick up with, you know, where that story left off, see what Luke is going to be up to. Um, Man, I mean, if you've listened to our episodes in the past, you know everything we're excited for. It's pretty much every single thing that's going to be in the movie. But we could <laughs> yeah. take a whole nother, we don't need to spend a whole nother two hours, you know, running down and speculating about all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just, man, we're so close. Can't wait to finally see it. Um, like I said, the hype is in full swing right now. They're starting to do like the press tours and the interviews and stuff. Um, there was an episode of, uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel live recently where he had the whole cast on there. Um, and of course, obviously talking about the movie in, uh, talk show fashion, meaning they don't really go into any kind of depth, but it's cool to see the whole cast assembled and, you know, hear them talking about it. Also, it's one Mark thing, Hamill finally, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. With Mark Hamill front and center. Um, 
And it's interesting because I feel like with The Force Awakens, it's like, because you know how sometimes when they do the big cast, like, and they're interviewing everybody, they'll bring them out like a few at a time. Um, and it's like the first ones that they always introduce first are always like the, you know, who they kind of consider like the main characters of the movie. And for The Force Awakens, it was always like Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac. Um, and for The Last Jedi, it seems like the focus is more on Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill, and Adam Driver. Um, which is kind of yeah. fueling speculation that I know myself and a lot of fans have that like, I don't know that Kylo Ren is necessarily going to turn back to the good side or anything, but he definitely seems like he doesn't seem like a full blown antagonist to me. He seems almost like, I don't know if you'd quite call it an anti-hero or like a protagonist on the dark side or like, but you know what I mean? Like he seems a lot more on yeah. equal footing with Ray and Finn and everybody else, like they're peers in a sense. Um, mm. Whereas with the original trilogy, I mean, clearly the focus was on Han, Luke and Leia and Vader was just sort of this ominous shadow looming over everybody. Like, you know, you didn't really know anything until the end of the Empire Strikes Back as far as like who the man under the mask was. But then even once we do find out it's Anakin, like he's a generation older and he's, you know, gone through a whole different war and set of, experiences and you know has his own power and skills and all that kind of stuff but like i mean kylo is like 10 years older than ray but it feels like they're on a lot more like level playing field um yeah totally yeah and especially going into the last jedi i mean it does feel like the two of them are kind of the main characters of this story along with luke so um yeah really interested to see how that dynamic is going to play out but then of course they did have you know they they brought out all the sort of resistance characters i guess um and they had uh you know john boyega and oscar isaac and um shoot i'm blanking on the actress who plays rose ellie marie tran yeah she was out there too and gwendolyn christie and all those guys so um, yeah they're all yeah yeah and but you know what's funny? Like, I didn't realize Mark Hamill does such a good impression of Harrison Ford, and it's freaking <laughs> hilarious. Like, I think I saw one interview with him earlier this year, and I forget if it was a new one or an older one. Um, but I feel like just within the past few months, like, it was the first time I saw a video of him doing a Harrison Ford impression. I was like, holy crap. Like, it makes sense because Mark Hamill's really good at doing voices, and he's spent a lot of time around Harrison Ford, obviously. But I was like that is really spot on. I don't know why they don't have Mark Hamill do the voice of Han Solo in like video <laughs> games. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough to actually hear it in person him do that. At least that was the first time I ever heard him do a Harrison Ford impression because uh, like seven years ago, back in 2010, they had a special return of the Jedi screening like, up in Hollywood and Mark Hamill's going to do a Q and a after that, which was awesome. So I went to that screening and he, did a little Q and A. That's the first time I heard him do an impression of Harrison Ford. Oh, thought, nice! Oh, man, that is dead on. <laughs> it's so hilarious. <laughs> so he still has it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I could be right. It is perfect. Yeah. So that was cool to see. Um, but and Ryan yeah, Johnson so did reveal one thing, just like JJ did when he was on Jimmy Kimmel. He revealed the first word that we're going to hear in the Last Jedi. That's right. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, I think. I'm sticking to my theory that even though they say this movie picks up right where The Force Awakens left off, the first thing we see in the movie is not going to be Luke and Rey. It's mm. either going to be the Resistance or it's going to be the First Order. Um, and then I think we're going to cut to cut back to Luke and Rey on the island. 
Yeah, I mean, it's looking possible because I don't know if you saw this, but apparently they were having like a special presentation in China, I believe, where they, I believe they actually showed like some of the media there, like the first 13 minutes of the movie. Huh. And I didn't read any of the descriptions of it, obviously, now trying to avoid spoilers being so close, but I just saw one word that was described for it. I think if I remember right, it was intense. So <laughs> that might play hmm. into, you know, your theory as well, where it's maybe focusing on the resistance or the first order. So going to be interesting yeah and who knows maybe that space battle over dakar is like the opening of the movie yeah um i wasn't counting on that i figured it was early in the movie but hey if they want to open with that that's cool with me i know so always love it when a star wars movie opens with an action sequence now not all Mm -hmm. of them do but you know sometimes (laughs) they're really cool especially like in a new hope revenge of the sith so we get something like that to kick this one off man i'm not going to complain at all yeah man and i would still say like the intro of revenge of the sith is still my favorite opening of any of the star wars movies i would agree yeah um but anyway um i don't know we'll see if the last jedi can top that but um yeah you know so it's it's cool to see them doing all these interviews and stuff now um, so those are out there if you guys want to check them out. Um, also, you know, once the premiere happens this Saturday, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reviews and stuff starting to come out. So keep an eye out for those if you're so inclined, but also if you're inclined to stay away from any and all things that might potentially contain spoilers, then, uh, you know, keep an eye out for those so you can avoid them. Um, but man, yeah, this is this might be the last time we're going to talk about the movie before seeing it. Um, it's always a weird feeling. It <laughs> Excited, is a weird but feeling. Yet, it's kind of sad in a way. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like I'm so used to speculating about it and getting hyped for it and stuff. It's like I'm so ready to finally see it already. But then it's like, wait, you mean we're not going to be able to speculate about The Last Jedi anymore? Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's a little it's a little weird. Um, thankfully we got another movie right around the corner so (laughs) that is true that is true um so anyway uh yeah that's pretty much it for the movie stuff we're gonna cover this episode which you know seems really short for us oh the one thing we didn't talk about too there's also like a, a little featurette that they released um just showing like some of the training for the fight sequences and stuff like that and like daisy ridley and uh john boyega and everybody talking about how intense it was and the stunt work and all that kind of stuff so that's pretty cool if you like uh you know just getting into like the behind the scenes kind of stuff and seeing the process of how they make the movies um again obviously no story stuff revealed or i don't think there's any actual footage from the movie in there um but maybe a thing or two that you could maybe glean from looking at who's training with who in the video um but it was, you know, it's just kind of a cool little behind-the-scenes feature, that kind of thing. I mean, we're Star Wars fans. We'll eat all this kind of stuff up. Yep. It was a really cool video. Like, this is the stuff I wish we get more of where we're getting closer to release, where it's more behind-the-scenes and you don't have to worry about potential new shots from the actual movie or full-on spoilers. So mm-hmm. this is a nice thing to get, like, amongst all the TV spots and international trailers and stuff. This one I actually did watch, and it was really cool. Yeah, I watched that one, too. It was pretty sweet. Oh, I can't wait for that Finn and Phasma fight. Oh, <laughs> I just hope man. It's- I just hope it's a good length. I mean, I'm not expecting it to be a full-blown, you know, fight that's going to be as long as, like, you would expect a normal lightsaber duel. But I'm hoping it's not as short as some could be either. So I hope it's in the, you know, right balance of something that's satisfying, but yet, you know, not too long or short. Yeah. 
No, I, I think awesome. <laughs> I think that's going to be a good one. If nothing else, it should be cool visually. But uh, yeah, hopefully we get some good action out of it too. Um, but anyway, that's it for the movie talk for now. Let's dive into something else that we've been waiting to talk about for a very long time, and that <laughs> is Star Wars Battlefront Two. Um, now, where should we start with this, Tim? I'll I'll just ask you first. Uh, and we'll we'll dive into specifics after this, but general overall impressions of the game. Yeah, general overall impressions of the game. I'm really happy with it. I'll admit I was concerned going into it a little bit after the beta and then some of the you know feedback that was coming out and all the backlash EA was getting for it. So, but when I popped in the game and we played a little bit the first weekend, it was what I was hoping to be honestly because I was worried you know with all the pay-to-play fiasco within star cards and all that but i would be someone who would just get you know wiped out really quickly in multiplayer not stand a chance but all the times i played it's been pretty much how i've been playing in battlefront the first one which you know i've never been that great and this one's kind of continuing that where you know i'm able to get some kills i'm not getting you know totally wiped out but not having a chance to enjoy it and have fun and that's the case with this one where i'm with these new incredible maps that we're getting multiplayer. That's what I was hoping for, especially with the prequel planets, those maps. There's just something special about those prequel ones. <laughs> We've been looking forward to, to playing on those for so long. We got them, and it's it's a blast. It was everything I would hope would be. So that concern was pretty much laid to rest pretty early on. And it's, as the more I've played it, which sadly, I haven't played it as much as I would like to with busy schedules and stuff like that. So, I noticed. But, Paul and I are always on there. We're like, where's Tim at? I know, and I'm like, on. I finally get on where it's like midnight. <laughs> you guys have been <laughs> off for a little bit. So that's been the, that's been mainly the frustrating part. I will say, it's not syncing up with you guys and getting to play with you that much. So, but yeah, I'm happy with the multiplayer. I still have some, you know, nitpicks and a little bit of criticism regarding the whole landscape and the setup as far as uh, star cards and how your player progression goes. But when I'm actually playing the game, it's loads of fun. It was what I was hoping for once we knew we were getting prequel content and sequel trilogy content. So that's been great. And the single player campaign, I'm sure we'll talk about a little more in depth later on. But overall, I thought it was really good. It was a nice addition to it. Um, the story, you know, wasn't the best, but it was intriguing enough. The levels were real fun to play. It was, the length of it, it's kind of in the middle where it wasn't as long as I would hope, but not as short as I feared it would be. So it was kind of in mm -hmm. the middle, but it was still, I was really glad it was there and a nice inclusion for the game so general impressions i'm really happy with it i think it's a you know worthy successor to the first battlefront game that we played spent so many hours playing and so yeah this one is what i was hoping would be just a nice continuation of that first game with some you know much needed variety with all the prequel planets and the sequel trilogy stuff in there so i am happy with it mm -hmm. yeah and i am also just loving the heck out of this game um I mean, you say it's a worthy successor to the first one. I would even go as far as to say, like, this is the Star Wars Battlefront game that we were looking for the first time around. Um, you know, and obviously we loved the first game and played that one to death. But, I mean, I think we would all agree that at least when the game first launched, before all the DLC Season Pass content came out, it was lacking on content. Um, and we were definitely, you know, sorely missing stuff like space battles and prequel content um, and, you know, the multiple arrows and stuff like that. Um, and Battlefront 2, I think, just... 
I mean, it's got so much more stuff in it. Um, the gameplay and stuff is just as fun as the first one was. And there's some, like, some stuff in there I like better, like the way that you get to be, uh, heroes and vehicles and stuff where you, um, you know, spend your battle points that you save up instead of, like, picking up random power-ups on the battlefield. Um, it definitely feels... Like, that was something that I thought was weird in the first Battlefront game, and then I got used to over time, and it so it almost feels weird to not have that in there, but it also feels a lot more natural. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not running around looking for a little token to pick up, hoping that I get a rocket launcher or something. I just gotta, like, play well and save up enough points to get to play as a class that gets a rocket launcher. Um, but yeah, all the maps, all the, the different eras, the... Um, the heroes, the different trooper classes, all that kind of stuff I'm just having an absolute blast with. Um, like you said, the whole, uh, you know, system with the the credits and the crates and um, unlocking the star cards and all that kind of stuff. And we'll dive a little bit more in depth with that. But I do kind of still have some issues with that. Um, my biggest one being, and I think they are working on fixing this, but the fact that you have to like you get these you get the star cards out of the crates and you use those star cards to upgrade your your troopers or whatever but like the experience that you gain and the level of your trooper classes like isn't based on how much you play them or how many kills you get with them or anything like that like it's purely based on how many cards you have for yeah, that it took class. me a while to realize that i was like okay yeah. where's the level up like bar on my class or like, so <laughs> yeah i realized that in the beta and it drove me nuts um it took me like till the end of the beta to figure that out because i was trying to level up on my starship classes and i had like the interceptor class at you know one level and actually i can't remember now if this was in the beta or just early in the game but i think it was in the beta and i was like playing that I, I just like was endlessly playing with that one ship and it was like stuck at the same level and all my other ships were going up in level. And I'm like, why is this one not leveling up? And then yeah. I realized it was because like when I won the matches and was getting credits and stuff and I would spend them on the crates to get upgrades for my ships. I just wasn't happening to get lucky enough to get cards for that one particular ship. So it's totally luck of the draw. And there's no way to really specifically focus on progressing one class that you want to focus on. Now, for me, that's not a well, huge deal because I've been kind of using all of the classes equally, um, both with the ships and the troopers. And so it's not like I have one that I really focus on. I do kind of have a couple favorite ones, um, but it also kind of depends on the era, too. Um, but it is still kind of annoying that, like, if I want to focus on just upgrading my trooper, like, there's no way to just specifically get... Or, or like, you know, my assault trooper or my heavy trooper or whatever. There's no way to, f like, focus on just getting cards or experience just for that class. Well, I did realize, too, kind of once I f figured out or realized that, oh, you know, your class levels up based on how many star cards you have, that you can actually, if you wanted to, use your credits to purchase the star cards for your specific class that you want to level up. Because I saw, like, my he the heavy class was, like, level 6 or something in my assault class, which is the one I mainly use. was only, like, 2. I'm like, how is that even possible? I'm mainly the assault class. Then that's when I realized, oh, how many cards you have for that specific class. And then when I went to the assault class and saw the cards that I would need to unlock to level that to level that class up, I saw that you can just buy them mm -hmm. and use your credits for that. So I did that for a little bit, but I still wanted to save my credits for, you know, for 
I'm pretty much saving my credits right now for when Captain Phasma is available to yeah. purchase as a hero character. So we'll see how much I have left after that. But I did buy enough star cards to level up my assault class to where I have three slots now. Yeah, and you're right. You can do that. But actually, the way it goes, you don't you don't buy those star cards with credits. You unlock them with your crafting parts. So you're crafting oh, okay. them, basically. That's right. You're um, yeah, right. and the, okay. the crafting parts is like a different currency that you can, yeah, you can use to craft star cards and you can also use to upgrade star cards. And so usually, like, I don't, like, because I've done that a few times too, but I usually don't like to spend crafting parts on, like, a new star card. Like, I like to save those for upgrading ones that I already have. Um, but I'll use them sometimes, like, if I have... Either if there's a card that I really want, like if there's one to upgrade like a thermal detonator or something that I'm going to use a lot and I don't have that card yet, then I'll craft it. Um, or if because like the kind of the main upgrades are like every five levels, you like unlock a new star card slot or something like that. So like if I have a, a class that's level four and I'm trying to get it to level five to unlock a new slot, then sometimes I'll just craft a random card so that I you know can just bump it up that one level. Um, but I've been trying to save my stuff for upgrades because then once you upgrade your star cards to higher tiers, then it costs like 80 or 120 crafting parts instead of just like the 40. Um, but anyway, I mean, that's getting into all the, the little minutia of it. Um, and so, I, I mean, again, it's not so bad that I feel like it's really, you know, dragging down the experience for me. It's just something that isn't ideal. Um, and I think that's something they realize, and I know that's something they're working on right now. Um, and of course, if you guys didn't realize there, well, I, I'm sure a lot of you probably, you know, have heard about this, but there was a lot of controversy around the game when it first came out and especially kind of in the pre, um, the early access period, like for the people that bought the deluxe edition and got access to it like three days early um, and even people that were doing like the closed testing or like getting access to the review copies and stuff like that beforehand. Um, there was a lot of backlash about um, just, you know, again, the whole star card and progression and loot crate system. Um, and also the, you know, just the ability to buy the crates and, um, you know, use real money like the microtransactions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also the cost to like unlock some of the heroes in the game, because when you start playing the game, like there are certain heroes that you just get access to right off the bat. And then other ones are sort of locked behind a paywall. Um, so just for perspective, like if you haven't played the game yet, um, I think the different crates you can buy to get star cards cost anywhere from like two to 4,000 credits. And then to unlock certain heroes, um, I think some of them, like, I think Aiden Versio costs, like, 5000 to unlock, and then some of them's, like, Leia and Chewie and Palpatine costs, like, 10000 and Luke and Vader cost $15,000. Um, well, originally, it was, like, way more than that. I think they cost anywhere from, like, forty to $60,000, um, and you had to put, like, hours and hours and hours into the game and forego spending any of your credits on crates to get upgrades and like just save up for these heroes and people were like man this is ridiculous so that's one thing they changed uh like right before the game launched they're like okay we'll drastically like reduce the prices to unlock those heroes um yeah also, that was something where i didn't even realize was the case when i first saw the reports that they were lowering the cost of the heroes to unlock them i just thought they were lowering the in-game cost like to use them in a match 
mm-hmm. where like, oh, this is great because that was one of my issues and it kind of still is an issue with it where I I never get enough points to actually utilize a hero character enough time in the match. So I was like, oh, maybe this will help me, you know, have it more balanced to where some of those players who aren't necessarily do the best every match can have a chance to be these hero characters. But then when I realized, oh, it was just to unlock them to have the to be able to use them in the game. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize that was the case to use these hero characters. And I still think it's something that's a little disappointing that I have that you still have to, even though they're much cheaper now to unlock, just the fact that you have to unlock them, I thought, you know, you know, something that was a little, you know, downgrade from the first game where they were just always there and you had the option to choose them. So even though they made it a lot easier to unlock them, I still think it's something that, you know, would have been nice if they were just there and you didn't have to spend your credits to unlock the hero characters. But you know, at least they made it a little easier because before, like you said, those original prices were just ridiculous. I think, like, someone calculated just to unlock Luke, you would have to spend, like, 40 hours playing the game, mm-hmm. which is, you know, an insanely amount of time just to unlock one character, let alone everything else you got to unlock. So it was definitely a necessary change they had to do, and thank goodness they did it. Yeah, because in addition to all those, you know, the crates and the heroes and stuff costing, like, thousands and thousands of credits... Um, one other issue that people had was that like the amount of credits you got from playing in matches when the game first launched was really small in comparison. I mean, you get about 300 credits per match. Um, and that was for like a match that went, you know, uh, uh, like kind of the full length and you got to play all the objectives and stuff. Ones that ended really quickly. I mean, you could like win and be the top player and still get like 115 credits or something like that. And it was really more based on like how long the match went and how much time you spent playing and was not really based on like how well you played. Um, and, you know, so, you, I mean, again, the the lowest player on your team and the top player on your team could end up both getting the same amount of credits or you could get more credits for coming in last place in a match that your team won and like went the full length of the game than you would get for being like the top player in a match that ended really quickly um but they've fixed that system now um they've made it so that you can earn a little bit more credits from matches and uh it is a little bit more performance based um so when you're like especially when you're among the top players in a match i've gotten up to like 450 or 500 credits at times um, just recently in this past week. Cause I think that was a more recent update. Um, but also as far as stuff that they changed before the game, um, I know they made a big change to, uh, just like the way that kind of the, um, like the stuff you could get from crates because people were still concerned that like, Oh, the people with, you know, a lot of money are going to just spend a bunch of money on the microtransactions and buy a ton of crates and get a bunch of experience and star cards and stuff and jump way ahead of, uh, the people who, um, you know, are just buying the game and playing it and don't want to sink extra money into it. And that was definitely a valid concern. And they, um, you know, added some things to kind of improve on that. And so it was like, I think what they did, like it, they made they because originally I think you could get weapons out of crates, which you still can, because I actually got a rare weapon out of a crate and was like, holy crap, I didn't even know I could get this in here. Um but they made, I think they made the weapons like really rare in the crates. They completely took out like the highest level rarity of the star cards. And so um, I think you can only get those by crafting now and you have to like get your character to a certain level to craft them. So it's not like you can just 
you know, blow through crates and get all these crafting parts and, you know, be a really low level but have, like, the highest level cards crafted already. Um, so they made some tweaks there and that was good to, you know, just kind of make it more balanced. But still, after all the feedback from the reviews and from the early access players and stuff, it still was just kind of a mess and people were not really happy with it. And so I think like the day before the game launched, they announced like, okay, you know what, we realized we made a mistake. This is not the way we wanted to do this. And they shut down the, uh, the in-game purchases. Um, so for the entire time that we've been playing Battlefront 2, like we haven't even had the option to put in real money to buy uh, crates and stuff like that. Um, and they said they're going to take some time to like evaluate the feedback and look at what they can do differently. And they are going to turn that system back on at some point, um, but it's going to be you know, different somehow and they're going to try to make it a much better experience for the players. So I thought that was really good. Um, and it also... Re reports are to... To be, our reports are to be believed. It came from you know from the high ups at Disney <laughs> that made a you know shut down the in game purchases for this before the launch because they were just getting slammed by bad feedback and just bad press and like you said bad reviews. That to to me I was shocked that they did that and for for it to come as high up as Disney to tell them that <laughs> and you know I was really surprised. But this showed how you know much negativity there was before the game launched but i remember because i was sitting in the theater i was waiting for like the first showing of justice league that week because that was a busy week a lot of stuff came out mm -hmm. and i was looking forward to that week so it was like maybe like a minute or two before the movie was about to start i just saw it on my phone i was like whoa what like what i couldn't really look into it until afterward <laughs> i just remember being shocked reading that and then afterwards like i said I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but there were reports that that came from Disney. They told them to, you know, shut down the in-game purchases because of all the bad feedback they were getting, which, you know, regardless of where it came from, it was definitely the right move. Maybe a little too late because, you know, the bad publicity was already there. But it, again, just like, you know, trimming down the cost for those in-game characters, getting rid of the in-game purchases, which would give such an advantage to the players who did that i think was again the right move to do so might have been a little too little too late but i'm still glad that they ended up doing that and made it making it a better multiplayer experience like i said before when i play it it's like how i played the first game i haven't noticed a big substantial increase where i'm just getting pounded all the time and i think that is because they limited and turned off the in-game purchases because who knows how it would be if that was still the case mm -hmm. yeah i do occasionally notice myself getting you know, killed a lot by players who have like really high level star cards, but I don't know if they had early access and like they got those by paying real money back when you still could, or if they just have a lot of time to play and have, you know, already yeah. kind of grinded through and just got all those upgrades and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a shame because I, I still think it's a really fun game. It's visually just amazing phenomenal um, yeah <laughs> and yeah just i mean all the maps and environments and stuff are really cool the game modes are really fun to play um and it's just a shame that you know it's kind of got this cloud of negativity hanging over it just in relation to like not really the gameplay or the graphics or any of that kind of surface level stuff but just sort of like the inner workings of like the systems behind all that um as far as the the money transactions and the upgrading your characters and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully they get all that back on the right track. 
I mean, it is slightly concerning for me because, I mean, they promised that all the DLC for this game was going to be free, but obviously they still have to make money somehow. So I, I hope they can find a way to get those uh, transactions turned back on soon because, like, I mean, I don't know that I'm going to spend money on it at any point, but I might. And if I'm not, like, I hope some people are because, like, I want this game to be supported. Like, they can't just continue making free content for nothing. Um, and that's the whole point of like either paid DLC or paying for these microtransactions and stuff is like for them to continue supporting and upgrading the game and adding new content and stuff. It's like these people still got to work and EA still got to pay them and they've still got to make money on the game. So they're not just going to do this for free. Um, and I know that nowadays everybody likes to complain about paid DLC and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's justified. Like I think the big gripe with the first Battlefront game and the season pass and all that kind of stuff was not just that it was expensive, but it was like the lack of content in the game to begin with. And then it felt like they were charging you out the nose for content that should have been in the game in the first place. Um, which, I mean, again, I didn't have a huge issue with just because I was so happy to have a Star Wars Battlefront game again, finally. And because I'm such a huge Star Wars fan, like, you know, I'll bite the bullet and, you know, support them for that content. Um... But I could certainly understand a lot of people having the complaints that they had with it. Um, but, you know, by the time that all that DLC and stuff finally came out, I mean, it felt like a much more complete game. But this game feels like a much more complete game right from the get-go. Like, I have no complaints about the amount of content in here. We've got 11 different planets to play on in multiplayer up from, you know, four in the first game. We've got three different eras. We've got more heroes, more vehicles. Um fewer game modes but the ones that we do have are a lot of fun to play and i think for the amount of maps and stuff that we have like i don't really feel like you need more game modes i mean i am kind of looking forward to maybe having like one or two more added through dlc but just having five game modes doesn't feel like a a lack to me like you've got galactic assault which is like your big all-out mode with heroes and vehicles and everything you got the Starfighter Assault, where you're just flying Starfighters, and then you've got Blast and Strike, which are like your two smaller modes. Um, one, you know, the Blast is just the team deathmatch, and then the Strike is like the objective-based kind of stuff with the smaller teams. And then you've got the Heroes versus Villains, where you get, just get to have the all-out chaos of, you know, teams of four heroes and villains going at each other, and it's just lightsabers and force powers all over the place. And I think that's all you really need for now. Um... You know, so I am perfectly happy with the amount of content that we've got in the game. And if they were to charge for the DLC again, I wouldn't complain about like, oh, this is stuff that should have been in the game to begin with. Like, I'm looking forward to adding on to this game and I can't wait to see like what new stuff uh, we get down the line as far as, uh, you know, just DLC and stuff like that. I mean, we know that we're getting the last Jedi season coming up here pretty soon and we'll talk about that. Um, but then, you know, I'd love to see just more, obviously more Clone Wars planets and heroes and stuff, but, um, I think anything at this point that they add on is just going to be fun and like adding to the experience and not feel like, oh, well, yeah, this should have been in the game to begin with. Um, so, you know, I'm, I have no problem with them like charging for some stuff. Cause like, I want to support that. I want them to be able to, uh, make all that content and add on to what is already a great game. So I hope they can get this up and running again soon and just do it in a way that 
doesn't feel like they're letting people pay to get ahead or, you know, charging people for stuff that's just frustrating and, you know, the way that you upgrade the characters and stuff like that. So I really hope they can get this resolved soon. And hopefully, I mean, it seems like there's still a lot of people playing this right now. Um, and just hopefully this won't sort of negatively impact the overall uh, reception and like their uh, the financial success of the game too much because it really is it's it's a blast and uh, you know it, it's not perfect but I'm loving it so um, if you haven't played Battlefront 2 I definitely suggest checking it out if you've got uh, you know an Xbox One or PS4 or a gaming PC or whatever um, but let's get a little more into some of the specifics um, and specifically, let's talk about the campaign, because um, I know this is one thing that obviously, you know, a lot of people were looking forward to, something that we were missing from the first game. Um, so yeah, let's let's dive into the campaign here for Battlefront 2. Uh, spoiler warning, we're going to dive, uh, you know, fully into this, you know, blow the lid off of it, talk spoilers and, and plot points and all that kind of stuff. So uh, this is your warning now turn away if you haven't played the game yet and you don't want to know what happens in the campaign. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Tim, I'll let you go first. What were kind of some of your overall impressions of the uh, the story in the campaign there? Yeah, so overall, like I said before, I thought it was a good campaign. You know, the length, you know, it was in the middle, not too long. I wish it was a little longer, but again, not as short as I feared. But during that time frame, um, the levels were really fun to play, to play in, especially the last two, Jakku and the final level with Kylo Ren. Those are awesome. Those are some of the most fun I've had playing, you know, a single player Star Wars game in a long time. So that was really good. But overall, the course of the gameplay level, I thought it was a nice variety. You start off. I mean, first you start off, you're a probe droid. <laughs> and then it just it gets better from there on out when you're uh, switching, you know, from the first person shooter mode into flying in the ships, which I thought was really glad they had that in there you know at first i was kind of worried when they announced the campaign that it was just going to be you know a standard first person shooter game but then i realized you know this is dice the dice in the battlefield games they always have vehicles in their single player campaigns as well so i should expect to have them in this campaign for battlefront 2 and that was the case those were some really fun levels flying to the tie fighters and x-wings in the courses of the levels that was really cool but what i really liked about the campaign as far as the story goes I wasn't expecting this, but I thought it was really cool how it tied into a lot of, you know, some of the Star Wars uh, comics and novels from the new canon, especially the Shattered Empire comics that we got not too long or a few years ago, where it deals with right after the Battle of Endor, what, you know, Han, Luke and Leia were up to uh, right after that battle. And especially on the level that deals with Leia and on Naboo, that was pretty much taken straight up from one of the issues from the Shattered Empire that dealt with Leia. It ties directly into that. I mean, the space battle you have in there and you're communicating with Leia in the Naboo Starfighter. That was, you know, you see that happen in the comics and, you know, everything that happens on the surface on Naboo, that takes place after the comics, but still just a nice connection to that. And even the Battle of Jakku at the end of the game, that has a nice tie into uh, the Aftermath novel, Empire's End, and the lead up to that being the last stand for the Empire. And it was cool to actually play that and see it all unfold as you're you know progressing through that uh, level of the campaign so all that stuff was really cool but my biggest complaint about the campaign and, and the story about it, it was how quickly Iden Versio 
in Del Mico flip sides from the Empire to the Rebellion. I got to say, I was kind of expecting that to happen by the time we reached the end of the campaign. I thought it might have been like maybe the last level or two where you'll see them switch sides. I always knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen this quick in the game. It was about a little, little. I want to say midway through, but it might even be a little before you get to the midway point that they switch sides from the Imperials to the Rebels. And it just didn't ring true to me how quickly they turned, especially having read the Inferno Squad novel, where you just, especially for Aiden, you just really, they drove home the point in that novel, how engrossed she is into the Imperial way and the way the Empire does things and how much they view the rebel as terrorists, kind of like Hass does in the campaign. I felt the same way about Aiden in the Inferno Squad novel and even the earlier levels of this game. It just how much they're engrossed in the Empire, how they believe that is the best, the Empire is what's best for the galaxy. And I know they tried to build it where destroying her homeworld was what's going to set her off, and it's understandably so, but still, I just think it needed a little more time and a little more build-up for her and Dell to switch sides. Maybe that could have been the catalyst for you know her start realizing the Empire might not be what she thinks it is. And by the time you progress further on in the campaign in the story, because it takes the place over like a few months. So, like I said, I thought it might have happened at the end, towards the end of the game, and I think it would have been better if it did. It just would have, you know, served the story I better, I think, especially for uh, Aiden and Dell and their progression. So, that was my complaint on a story front, but just even on the gameplay side of things, I got to say, you know how much I'm, you know, an Imperial guy when it comes to playing as troopers and everything. It was really cool in those first few levels, especially on Endor, playing with stormtroopers by your side. And for a change of pace when it comes to Star Wars single-player games, taking down rebel soldiers, because all those old games are usually just shooting stormtroopers and having them be cannon fodder. And it was a nice change, I got to say, those early levels, having the stormtroopers be on your side and taking down the rebels. But it didn't last that long. And by the time they switched sides, it just became your typical... You know, Star Wars game where you're just shooting stormtroopers and shooting down Tie Fighters. Like, uh, I was because the buildup even from the developers, even in the first preview trailer that I think they showed at Celebration when they announced it. You know, you get some of the developers saying, you know, I'm a big fan of the dark side. It's just so cool to do something different and you know play a story that you're from the Imperial perspective. And I was so excited for that, but it's only you know for a few levels in the beginning. So that's probably my biggest complaint about the single campaign single player campaign is how quickly Aiden and Dell switch sides to the rebels and then you don't get to play on the Imperial side, which would have been something totally different. It was so different and so fun in those early levels that, you know, it's kind of lost its uniqueness by the time they switch sides. And not to say that those later levels where you're the rebels isn't fun. They are, but it just, you know, didn't have that, like I said, uniqueness and what the developers are really going for to make it special and stand out as something different. So, that's my biggest complaint from the campaign. But overall, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the story for the most part. And then just even more important than enjoying the story, it was really fun to play. It is, you know, good to have a single-player Star Wars game to play again, which we haven't had in a long time. So I was happy with it for the most part, despite my complaints about, you know, them switching sides. Yeah, and you know what? That was my biggest complaint about it, too. Um and not even so much from a story perspective as far as like how quickly they change sides. Um, I haven't read the Inferno Squad novel yet, which 
I wish I had. I actually did buy it, and, you know, I know I was talking with you and Paul, and you guys were like, oh, you're not going to read it before the game comes out. I'm like, oh, watch me. I'm totally going to read it before the game comes out. Yeah, I definitely did not. Um, <laughs> Didn't even start it, huh? Unfortunately, no. That's what happens when you're moving and starting a new job and planning a wedding and all that fun stuff. Um, but... Yeah, so I didn't have an issue necessarily with how quickly they turned, especially uh, with Del Miko, because you have that mission that I thought was really cool where he encounters Luke Skywalker. Um, and it's actually the one you play as Luke Skywalker with. And I have to say, the way that they integrated the missions where you play as the heroes was actually a lot more well done than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. When they said, like, oh, you're going to be playing as the Imperials, but then, like, there's a mission where you play as Luke Skywalker, I'm like, well, that seems really random. Like, am I going to be fighting against Inferno Squad and, like, fighting the characters that I've been playing as the entire campaign? But it was really nicely integrated where you play as Luke Skywalker, you go to this planet to try to find an artifact that uh, is hidden in, like, some vault that the Emperor hid away. Uh, that the Empire is also after, and so you fight a bunch of stormtroopers, but then you find Del Miko, like, hidden down in this cavern, and, like, he's, you know, trapped and, like, asks for your help, and Luke frees him, and he's like, um, you know, he's like, why did you help me? And he's like, because you asked for it. And he's like, well, why'd you kill all my men? And he's like, well, because they shot at me first and didn't give me a choice, but, like, you know, you asked for my help, you didn't try to kill me, so I'm not going to kill you. Um, and so I think... For him, at least, that was a good precursor to that next mission because it's like not only are they realizing that the emperor, that the empire isn't everything that they thought it was, but they're also realizing, or at least Del Mico is realizing in that mission, that like the rebels and the Jedi aren't the maybe quite the terrorists that they always thought they were. That like there's good people on the other side. Um, but yeah, the thing that was disappointing for me was just that how they promised, I mean, not promised necessarily, but yeah, hyped this up like, oh, it's going to be this whole new campaign and, you know, this new story where uh, you get to see things from the Imperial perspective and, uh, you know, you play as this Imperial soldier and Empire, 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 Dark Side, Dark Side, Dark Side, oorah. And then, yeah, after like a couple hours of the campaign, it's like, oh, flip sides now, you know, we're with the Rebellion. Um, which looking at this, the actual story itself, I was able to get past that. I mean, it's not like I had an issue with that from a story standpoint. It's not like it didn't make sense, but it's just like, oh, this isn't like the unique Imperial perspective that I thought we were getting. Um, and it kind of reminded me, reminded me of the force unleashed, how for that game, you know, they hyped it up as like, oh, you get to play as Vader's secret apprentice and go hunting Jedi and stuff. And you know, not even halfway through that game, Vader and the Emperor turn against Starkiller and he ends up, you know, aiding the Rebellion and kind of becoming a Jedi in a way. Yeah. Um, and it ends up being a lot more light side focused than dark side. Um, but with that game, it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of a cool twist. But now in Battlefront 2, it kind of felt like, oh, we've kind of been there, done that. And, you know, yet again, here's a story where we were supposed to focus on the dark side and ended up turning to the light side. Like, okay, whatever. Um, See, I think it would have been cool where they had, a, you know, Iden and Dell really, you know, did not agree what the Empire is doing anymore. Kind of do something like working within the empire to try to change things. I'm kind of, you know, thinking a little bit in some of the novels, the character Ray Sloan, 
who's like a high imperial officer works her way to grand moff almost by the time uh, after the battle of endor she almost becomes pretty much the head of the empire just but mm-hmm. you know realizes they made mistakes and wants to do things differently so i thought if they kind of took a little bit from her story not to necessarily copy it per se but even maybe have Iden and Dell like work with her to some point to you know change the empire from within type of scenario instead of just flat out switching sides to the rebels and maybe you know it may have been hard for some gameplay aspects so you know who's they going to be fighting and whatnot in certain levels if they're you know secretly want to change the empire but yet they're you know taking out their own men so maybe it would have been complicated on that front but it would have been more believable to me in that way and even still kind of playing up that theme where you're playing these characters in this game from the imperial perspective and just instead of a flat out switch sides type of scenario so mm-hmm. i thought came to my mind as i was thinking about it, what they could have done i thought that was one possible scenario they could have went with but yeah or even have it be like once they join the rebellion like they're maybe not fully on board with the rebels you know ideology and stuff and it's like you know we're not like a hundred percent allies but it's more like the enemy of my enemy kind of scenario mm-hmm. or maybe like they're willing to join the rebellion but like not everybody in the rebellion trusts them because they're you know imperials or whatever so i mean they yeah they they could have explored that a little bit more but i will say i mean once they go to the rebel side um those actually made for some of my favorite missions in the game because i mean like you were saying playing the battle of jakku was really cool and playing that last mission as kylo ren uh was freaking awesome but i think my two favorite missions in the game were one was and i think this might have been the first mission like after um after you join the rebel side and it's the one you were talking about with the space battle over naboo where it was just such a cool like star wars video gamey kind of moment where it's like i'm in an x-wing piloted by a former imperial commando shooting down tie fighters over a prequel era planet like this just seems so bizarre, but so cool at the same time. And like, it makes sense within, you know, the Star Wars universe. Like, it didn't seem like totally out there. But at the same time, it's like, this is the kind of thing that you only get to do in video games. Um, and that was just really fun. And I mean, not to mention the fact that I just love the space battles in this game to begin with, whether in the single player or the multiplayer. But I did think the ones in the single player were really well done um and just by the way have i mentioned this game is just graphically and visually just stunning um <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I gotta say i'm glad i made the jump to 4k when the, by the time this game came out because boy oh <laughs> nice you, are you playing on the xbox one x yeah <laughs> oh nice yeah it looks phenomenal that way so yeah <laughs> i don't think anyone can complain about how the game looks well I shouldn't say that because I'm going to make a complaint about something right now <laughs> while, while I'm talking about it. I don't know if you notice this too much, but not in the actual gameplay, but in the cutscenes for the single player campaign. The quality of the cutscenes I wasn't too happy with. They felt a little too compressed where you can see a lot of, you know, the almost, it almost looks like streaming quality <laughs> for really? certain cutscenes. And then you would get this light flickering when you would transition from like the gameplay to a cutscene. So it would be like someone's flipping on and off a light switch. And I was like, man, it's kind of annoying. But I think they had a patch that, the most recent patch fixed that to where that flickering's gone and the cutscenes don't look as compressed as they did when I first played it. So maybe by the time 
you started the campaign, that update was a really applied and you didn't notice it. But it was pretty Maybe. you know, distracting in some of the when I first started playing when the game was first released. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. And I'm also wondering if maybe the cutscenes aren't rendered in 4k so maybe it actually looks worse for you that's um, possible too yeah. or maybe it's just something where um yeah maybe they did just patch it recently because i didn't play the campaign i started maybe a week ago or so um and then just finished over the weekend um because yeah when the game first came out i was just totally focused on the multiplayer but um no man i i thought the the cutscenes and everything looked great, especially, I mean, I want to say like some looked better than others because I don't know if you noticed this, but the cutscenes on the very last mission, just with like Kylo Ren and those first order stormtroopers yes, stepping I out agree. of the, it looked mm -hmm. like right out of the movie. Yeah. Like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, holy crap. It felt like my Xbox went from 1080p to 4k, like just for that <laughs> one mission. I was like, what is going on? This looks awesome. No, I agree with that. Yeah, that stood out to me too. Just the you know, the material, the cloth that he wore, his cloak and mm -hmm. like some stormtrooper armor, just looked incredible. So yeah, I think that was definitely a standout. Or maybe maybe they put a little more work and detail into that final cutscene because they yeah. knew it'd be a pretty big one. Yeah, but man, that was totally cool. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that space battle over Naboo was one of my favorite missions, and then also. Another one that I loved is where you get to play as Lando and you go blow up the uh, Imperial factory on Sullust and then they escape in a chicken walker and you're with Lando and this <laughs> other uh, rebel general named like Shriv, um, which was funny because he's the one who like narrates a lot of the uh, or he's kind of like your battlefield commander like when you play as the rebels in multiplayer like when you spawn in like he's the one giving you instructions on the objectives and stuff like that. Which, when I, because since I started the multiplayer first, I was just like, oh, okay, they just put a random rebel general dude in here. And then once I played the campaign, I was like, oh, that's who that guy is. <laughs> um, but yeah, him and Lando made for like a hilarious pairing on that map, yeah. on, on that mission. So that one was a lot of fun. Um, and just, I think my, fav my favorite hero level was Hans. I mean, I, this, the environment of being, you know, on Taco Donna with first being in Maz's castle pre Force Awakens, that was cool. But just from the gameplay aspect of things, I love Hans Blaster. Just mm -hmm. that was the one level I will say where shooting the stormtroopers was fun because it just felt like Han shooting stormtroopers from Return of the Jedi <laughs> with that with his blaster. And then you top it off by having a aerial battle and the Falcon taking out Tie Fighters above Maz's castle, similar to you know to the battle we saw in the Force Awakens. And again, just how amazing the game looks. It was just a really cool level. So that was probably my favorite hero character one was the one with Han. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that that kind of brings me to a couple other issues I had about the campaign, one of which is in addition to talking about how this was going to be like an Imperial and Dark Side focused story. They also said this was going to span the 30 years in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens and, you know, tell this untold story that bridges that gap. Right. Um, mm. Which it's not like I was expecting this really in-depth story that covers 30 whole years in a five hour first person shooter campaign. But really, it covers like the first year or two after Return of the Jedi and then jumps to right before The Force Awakens in the last mission. 
Um, there was a really cool tie in there because the mission that I was talking about earlier with where you play as Luke Skywalker and you're looking for this artifact. Um, well, at the end of the mission, you find the artifact and basically they lead you to believe like it's the map that leads him to Octo. Um, That's what I was thinking too. Yep. Yeah, because well, he says something about like, I want to take this compass because um, Del Mico is there to like reclaim all this stuff for the Empire. Or I think doesn't he end up destroying it at the end? Yeah, he's there to destroy it. Yeah. yeah so they're going to destroy it. And but because Luke saved his life and everything, he's like, you know, destroy all this if you want. But, um, you know, I hope you don't mind if I, uh, you know, if I take this compass. Um, and so I'm like, well, what is he trying to find with said compass? Like, is this his map to Octo? And then the very last mission of the campaign, you're playing as Kylo Ren and uh gideon hask who's like the third member of inferno squad who stayed loyal to the empire is now a first order commander and has captured del mico um and basically as kylo ren you go on to this uh, you know you go on to uh del's ship where he's being held captive and probe his mind like uh you know how kylo does to like uh poe dameron or ray in the force awakens but then you actually get to play a level where you're running through these kind of, um, you know, environments. But there's like the surreal quality to them. Like you're you're exploring his mind, basically. Um, so, and yeah, it was just, I mean, from a gameplay perspective, it was just really cool to see. And as you're going through this, it's kind of telling the story of like the origin of Inferno Squad. Like you see uh, the beach on Scarif and it's like, oh, this is where you started. Because basically the... Um, you know, Inferno Squad started like right after the events of Rogue One and then the destruction of the Death Star. That was why they were like, okay, we need this elite squad now. Um, yeah, it was a cool tie into they mentioned how you know Del first served you know on Scarif in the mm-hmm. Inferno Squad novel. So that was cool to actually to get to play it in that last level. Yeah, but then also he the reason that Kylo is probing his mind is because he's looking for the map to Luke Skywalker. Um, which just sort of reinforced for me, like, oh, so he knows that, like, Luke came and got the map from this place, and somehow he knows that Dell was there, and he thinks that he knows where this map is. So that was kind of the biggest tie-in there to The Force Awakens, but really, I mean, as much as I liked kind of the setting of it and everything, it's like, yeah, this didn't really explore any territory that hasn't already been explored in, you know, a lot of the novels and stuff already. Um, and the one other thing that was a little bit disappointing to me was the, it didn't really feel like it had that strong of a plot on its own. Like it felt like the story just kind of jumped around and was trying to tie in with a lot of the other stuff that's been going on, which, which was cool. But at the same time for me was a little bit frustrating because like, I haven't kept up with a lot of that stuff. Like for example, with the Han Solo mission, like you were talking about, um, he goes to Maz's Maz's castle. He's trying to meet up with a contact who has some information that's gonna help him, like, get to Kashyyyk and uh, liberate the Wookies that are being enslaved by the Empire. Now, does that happen in the aftermath life debt book? Yeah, it pretty yeah. much sets all that up. Yeah. See, I didn't realize that that was just set up for stuff that already happened in a book, and because like most of the missions in the campaign take place on maps that you can play as in the game, like in the multiplayer and stuff. I'm thinking, Oh, like we've got a Kashyyyk map. Are we going to actually get to go play some battle on Kashyyyk and like free some Wookiees? But it's like, no, you just play this one mission as Han where you get some information and leave and you never hear from Han again in the campaign. And I'm like, that was kind of random. And then I was like, Oh yeah. Isn't there like an, you know, the aftermath life debt book. I'm like, I, 
bet that deals with Wookiees. Um, to be honest, it would have been better if they included that story aspect in the game than that actual book. <laughs> yeah, that see, that's what's so it. disappointing to me. Like, I want to read the Aftermath books because there's, like, so much crucial stuff in there about the time period right after Return of the Jedi. But then I've heard that they're not very good books. So, you know, it's like I wish the game had more of a story to stand on just by itself. And I wish that, you know, there weren't so many just sort of random connections to other things. And as much as it's kind of cool to have those tie-ins, and again, it makes it all feel sort of interconnected. Like at the same time, it's, you know, it, it feels kind of disjointed and makes it feel like you're not getting the full context and like you can't really enjoy the story of like the campaign in the game just by itself. Because even with the Imperial stuff, and they're talking about Operation Cinder and um, I mean, I remember them talking about that in the Shattered Empire comics and all that, but it's like, man, now I feel like I need to go back and like read those comics again and kind of refresh my memory. And then it all builds up to the Battle of Jakku, but it does like in the game itself, it doesn't really have this sense of finality. You never really figure out like what the Empire's plan was or what this was all building up to. It's just kind of like, like the game definitely like sets the stage for it and makes it all kind of mysterious. But then it's just like you find out that, oh, whatever this plan is that the Empire has, it involves, uh, you know, Aiden having to destroy her own home world. And that's what makes her turn against the Empire. And then she finally meets up with her father and, and Gideon Hask again, like at the Battle of Jakku. But it it doesn't really have that weight to it because it's not like there's some big reveal of like, oh, this is what they were up to the whole time or, oh, this is really what this was all leading to. It's really just like, oh, we're back in some big battle now and this is like the Empire's last stand and let me go try to capture my father while we're at it. And then they kind of share a nice father-daughter moment at the end and he finally realizes as he's going down with his ship, like, oh no, you were right, I was wrong. Like, the Empire isn't what we thought and they're, you know, not as good as I thought they were because, look, we're losing. But, you know, I'm going to stay here and go down with my ship because I've got nothing left, but you go on and live and... You know, it just, I mean, it was, it was nice for the characters, but in terms of like an overall plot, it felt a little bit lacking. Um, so it was definitely fun to play through. In fact, I remember I read a review for the game. I think it was on IGN and they compared the campaign. They said it's, it's like virtual Star Wars tourism, like there's not much of a strong story holding it all together, but it's fun if you just want to like go do missions on different planets and just get to see familiar Star Wars locations and characters and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was probably the part of it that I enjoyed the most. And then, of course, those beginning missions where you do actually get to play as Inferno Squad and getting to see sort of how this elite um, Imperial unit works. Um, and then, you know, just some of those fun moments and, you know, just the, uh, the action moments and stuff once you join the rebellion and get to fly X-Wings and stuff like that. I mean, once I got over the whole, and this isn't how I thought the story was going to go, it was like, eh, whatever, I'm still having fun with it. So, um, yeah, those are kind of some of my, my pros and cons with the campaign. Overall, I liked it, but I definitely would not say I loved it, but I loved certain moments of it. Mm -hmm. That's a fair criticism, what you said about the story not having, you know, kind of a cohesive plot and you're kind of just jumping around from one big battle to the next. And I get that and I agree with it, but I, maybe for me having, you know, read pretty much all the other like books and comics that it was connected to, I could kind of piece it together and know, okay, they're going here. And I read Aftermath and the, 
Empire's End. I know where they're going to go with this and all that. So maybe it didn't bother me as much as it did you, but I definitely understand that. And I, one thing I will say, too, about the hero character missions, where as fun as they were, some of them I did, I think, did take away from, you know, potential, you know, more characterizations for Aiden or Dell to get to, you know, care about them more and expand the story for those final missions like on Jakku, you know, just to get into the character's head maybe a little more in other missions. Because really Hans and Lando's, they're not really pretty much integral to it. They were for Leia's and Luke's, but Han and Lando's, they were just kind of, you know, talking, especially for Lando's, they were just talking to him over an intercom and just there to pick him up. So that could have been time used to spend more with the characters to flesh them out a little bit more and the story to, you know, have that final moment in the game really pack more of an impact like the final fight with Hask and all that so that's another criticism even though I like those levels it's something that I think hurt the characterization of the story just a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah so other than that um, I'm pretty much on the same page with you I, I liked it I really liked it a lot actually but I probably wouldn't go to the say I loved it I think it could have been better but you know it was good for its first time getting a campaign in a battlefront game so, and there was, like you said, a lot of great moments. Love the connectivity to some of the other comics and novels. I, I really liked how on the level where you're flying in the ship over Naboo, the dialogue is pretty much taken straight up from the comics that you hear Leia talking and like the comm chatter. So just the attention to detail and how it connects to the overall stories in the canon, I thought, you know, it was, it was appreciated on my end that they put that much detail to make sure they get it right and everything syncs up. So, and... Yeah, that last level with Kylo Ren, as you mentioned, I probably couldn't ask for a better, you know, epilogue type level to close the campaign out. It was just something so unique and so cool, you know, <laughs> just to play as Kylo Ren just into the mind of Dell and just, you know, seeing like living through a force mind interrogation. <laughs> like you said, we saw Kylo doing the Force Awakens was so cool. But speaking of that, the one thing I wanted to ask you, because you've seen even before I beat the game, I saw a lot of people on twitter saying this well i think i know who ray's parents are it's like (laughs) what i saw that i was like okay well something goes down in the final levels in this game and the level definitely lived up to you know something really cool like we said with kylo ren but the idea of dell and Aiden being ray's parents like nah, i don't think so just because kylo made a reference to them having a daughter I don't think that really means that <laughs> they're raised parents. And there's a lot of reasons that I don't think it's going to work. The timeline reasons and just, you know, bloodline reasons why <laughs> I don't think, you know, raise someone so strong in the force and their parents who pretty much have no ties to the force whatsoever. Why would, you know, she become so powerful in it? So we'll go into all that, but I just, I'm not buying into it. And even uh, the new trailer we got for the last Jedi season, mm-hmm. They show, you know, some new shots of the DLC we're going to get for the campaign, which shows, you know, it is going to be more in the Force Awakens time period where we see an older Aiden. But then we see a younger character looking at, you know, a video hologram transmission of Leia. And I think that's going to end up being, you know, their daughter because it is a younger character who looks like it could be. Aiden and Dell's daughter and you know, I... put, put to rest those Ray rumors, even though I never really bought into them from the get go. But I wanted to just hear what you thought if any uh, of that ideas of them being Ray's parents enter your head at all, thinking that it could be feasible once you play that level. Oh, it definitely entered my head. It was never a thing for me where I was like, oh my gosh, now I know who Ray's parents are because. Uh, 
one thing we've kind of gone back and forth about uh, as far as Ray's parentage and just kind of tidbits that we've gleaned from interviews and stuff is like how important is it really going to be to the overall story um and you know the fact that it might not be as much of like a shocking pivotal revelation as we're all kind of hyping it up to be and so i thought like well if she's not a skywalker or a solo or whatever and it did happen to be kind of a more low-key thing like if she is uh you know just a daughter of two random people um then maybe that could make sense but like if it's gonna be some big deal i don't think they would have her be you know the daughter of two people like introduced in a video game exactly that yep. <laughs> most people are not really going to have any connection to now again if she's going to be you know ray rando as some like to call her or you know not related to any of the main characters then like yeah it kind of would be cool to have it tie into the game that way um so that thought definitely entered my mind because i mean again to to kind of give the context of what we're talking about here um I mean, and it's kind of weird because you don't really get any kind of like romantic or flirty or anything like kind of relationship between Aiden and Dell in the campaign until maybe like the last couple missions. You just kind of get the sense that like they really care about each other just because of all the stuff they've been through together. And then like at the end of the Battle of Jakku, they finally, you know, they both make it out alive and she kisses him and they kind of go off into the sunset with the Rebel Alliance and then you jump to this mission like 30 years later where Kylo Ren is going after Del Miko and he references the fact that he and Aiden have a daughter. Um, and yeah, it just made me go like, whoa, I wonder who that is. Um, like, so the thought definitely crossed my mind. But then, yeah, like when you said, like you said, when I saw that trailer today for the Last Jedi DLC that's coming um, and they showed a, a bit of a preview of the campaign expansion, and you see someone that definitely looks like she could be Aiden's daughter. And so I was like, oh, well, there goes that theory. Um, so, yeah, I don't really think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I'm glad. I got to say, I'd be pretty disappointed if that two race parents ended up being. Like it, you said, too, it would just be so weird for them to have a big revelation like that. You know, that Lucasfilm has purposely kept a mystery for, you know, a few years now since the force awakens and to have it be revealed in a video game that the most people who go see the last Jedi will never play so it's like it'd be weird if that's where they made the first reveal of it so i couldn't see them doing that and just even from you know in universe story uh plot points i don't think it'd work either so i'm kind of glad that <laughs> that you know could have been a i think they deliberately the developers and the writers for the campaign put that in there to probably get fans to think and speculate that even though you know they knew that wasn't going to be the case but just to get that conversation going because it was definitely over uh, the star wars social media for a few days <laughs> once people started beating the campaign so mm. yeah so even yeah. though it was talked about for a little bit i'm kind of glad it's going to be put to rest <laughs> and not have that be the case where they are raised parents yeah and i also wonder too if Aiden is still going to be like the main protagonist of the campaign now, or if these, you know, exp if all these expansions and stuff, and I don't know how long they're going to keep adding stuff to the campaign through the DLC, but at least for this last Jedi season, uh, we know there's going to be some additional missions added. Um, and it's like, is her daughter just going to be kind of a side character in there? Or is she going to be like the new main character that we're playing as yeah. kind of like for this new generation of the story? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be like a back and forth type of thing. 
Yeah. Whether it's just in this DLC or depending on what season comes out, like you said, who knows how many they're going to release for the campaign, but maybe one for each uh, DLC pack, one will be Aiden, maybe one will be their daughter or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Something else (laughs) about the campaign. Sorry, I think I interrupted you. What you're going to say that I wanted to talking about what I thought the might the DLC might be. Yeah, gosh, what was it? Campaign stuff. Aiden, her daughter. Aiden, daughter. I don't know. I'll come back not to it Ray. if I remember <laughs> it. Yeah, not Ray. Um, oh crap! This. Oh no, I remember what it was. So I was just gonna say I'm so I actually am really surprised that there's not a co-op option for the campaign because they set it up so perfectly that like almost every campaign mission is like a pairing of two characters yeah you're right that like would work out perfectly for like co-op play i mean the one i can think of that wouldn't be is like um the one where you play as luke because for the beginning of that mission you're just playing as luke solo like fighting a bunch of stormtroopers um but then you meet for up some with... reason i thought you said luke solo like don't you mean luke skywalker but yeah <laughs> <you meant solo. laughs> i caught that too i was like yeah, you're playing as luke solo like no no not like luke solo but like you're playing <laughs> solo as luke skywalker um but yeah then once he meets up with dell then like you know you're playing as luke trying to protect dell from these bugs while dell is like hacking into this system but for some of the battle missions um like the battle of naboo you've got um i think you're playing as like leia and dell right well you're like just playing as leia but you've got like Dell covering you the whole time. And meanwhile, like Aiden and uh, Shriv are like off doing their own thing. Um, but I don't know. I, I just thought like the way they paired up a lot of those characters was pretty fun. And it's like, you know, it's too bad. We can't like play with a friend and control both of these characters. Cause that would make for a pretty fun tag team. I know I was hoping for that. Even when we, they reveal that their main characters are going to be in the campaign are a squadron of elite troopers. We're like, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Or that'd make for a good co-op scenario if you're playing as a squad. And that only lasts a few levels. But like you said, most of the missions you are paired up with another character that could have made for a cool co-op experience. So hopefully we get that in Battlefront (laughs) 3. Yeah, maybe. Or, I mean, if they wanted to, like, add a big update, that's something they could even potentially add, like, add that feature through DLC later down the line. Because, I mean, the like I said, just kind of the groundwork for it is there. Um, yeah, those usually take a while. I know on uh, certain missions, but you know. Yeah, I know because uh, for Final Fantasy 15, that game, you know, you're playing with amongst four other characters who are always in battle with you, but it's a single player game. But now, pretty much, almost a year later, they finally put out a DLC pack where you can play co-op, where you can be, you know, multiple players can be any of those four characters. So okay. usually, if they add that DLC, it kind of takes a while, <laughs> like after. The game's been out for a bit, so it's mm-hmm. not impossible. So we'll see. Maybe they'll do it on this one, but if not, hopefully it becomes you know a feature in the next Battlefront because I am a big fan of co-op stuff. Even the survival mode we got in the first game, I was hoping that would return for Battlefront Two, where yeah, you, I was you have too. Survival there, and I would love it if it was four-player co-op because I was hoping that I, that would be the upgrade for the survival mode in Battlefront Two. Would be four-player co-op, and it's almost kind of like a horde mode. Mm -hmm. because those are always fun and those shooters so that's one thing i thought you know we got so much in battlefront 2 that we were hoping for but 
co-op gameplay is something I'm still hoping we get in the next installment for it. Yeah, I would love to see that in a Battlefront 3, especially like a horde mode where you're playing as like a squad of either just clone troopers or like arc troopers or Republic commandos or something against just like an endless wave of battle droids. Yeah. Like how (laughs) freaking awesome would that be? Or even a Geonosis, like dude, I was about yeah. to say, like, you, like a uh, a hero battle horde mode where you get to play as like four Jedi characters in the Geonosis arena with endless hordes of battle droids. And I was even thinking too, because like the Call of Duty games have the zombie mode. Mm-hmm. You can do it where like you fight the zombie Geonosians uh, on the ground. <laughs> you know, I would almost be surprised if they went that far. But then at the same time, I'm surprised how much Clone Wars influence there already is in Battlefront 2 right now. Um, like when you play the Battle of Kamino, you've got like the, uh, I forget what they're called, but like basically those like aquatic like squid droids with the drills and stuff that like come yeah. up out of the water on those Clone Wars episodes. Um, those are, you know, in the background there. Um, obviously you've got D Bradley Baker voicing all the clone troopers and stuff. It's just like, it kind of feels like, you know, almost like they took, you know, equal parts of their influence from like the, the prequel movies and from the clone war series for that. Yeah. I mean, it really adds so much to the overall experience of it. Like you said, even the, on the droid side of things, Matthew Wood for the battle droids and, uh, I don't know, remember the voice actor who does its voice, but the tactical droid who like issues your commands mm-hmm. when you're separatist. That whole Clone Wars feel is everywhere. You're, you're so right on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, speaking of which, let's kind of segue back into talking about the multiplayer. Um, and I know we kind of already gave some overall impressions of it. So let's talk about like just some of our favorite stuff. So what would you say is like your favorite, maybe like map and game mode? I think we can already safely say like what our favorite era to play to play in is for both yeah. of us i'm sure <laughs> but um yeah just what are kind of some of the the highlights of the multiplayer stuff for you yeah so for you know the standard you know ground battle modes i really like galactic assault and i guess i'll just geek out about the prequel content just one more time because camino looks amazing just interior exterior of that planet so beautiful especially i gotta say when you're outside the rain's falling down or even when you're inside you can see the rain like from some of the the windows and stuff it just looks phenomenal but i mean this shows how you know little i've been able to play the game but yesterday i finally got to do kashik for the first time in galactic assault and oh man did that look amazing <laughs> it was yeah you know, I, I knew that map would be awesome for a big battle that kind of what we saw in Revenge of the Sith, and it would be so cool to see that, play that in a Battlefront game, and it delivered. The environment looked so beautiful on it, and just being able to, you know, you start off on the beach, but then, you know, if the Separatist side is winning the match, you got to make your way, you know, further up the beach towards like your your base where there's the the Republic cruiser there and the tanks and everything. Just you know, it was so cool to play that, and it looked visually awesome. So the prequel planets, everything I hoped they would be. Like I said at the start, there's just something special about them when you play it. Just probably because we were looking forward to playing on them for so long, and they just really delivered. But I got to say, another standout map for me that I really enjoy playing on is Star Killer Base, especially on Galactic Assault. It's just so massive. I just love because I think I've only been on the Resistance side on playing that map on Galactic Assault, but it's fine because it's cool where you just start off in the snow, you're trying to make your way up to you know 
the base that you know you start outside but then you make your way up the platform to where general hugs gave his infamous speech and destroyed the republic mm. and then you make your way inside where you see han finn and chewie uh infiltrate there in the force awakens to try to find ray this looks so cool oh like, i was like wait i didn't see han finn and chewie yeah. in there <laughs> just got a picture him in your head pretend you're fighting alongside him <laughs> if no one has gotten those hero pickups but you know yeah i just really i just love how massive and big that level feels like you're going from the outside in the snow, then you're inside. Because I love the interior of Starkiller Bay. It's just from a visual standpoint where, you know, it kind of has the structure and construction almost like a Death Star. But then you see, you know, the landscape of the planet mixed in with it, too. I always loved that about Starkiller Bay. So being able to play that, it's just really, really cool. So that was probably my standout map other than <laughs> the prequel planets in Starkiller Bay. But even the... Original trilogy ones have a nice upgrade. Mouse Eisley is really, really cool mm-hmm. playing in there. You know, it's that's a massive one too. And you got run into all these different creatures and vehicles. You know, like there's Rontos running around. You got do bags that you can run to, land speeders you can play in. It was just really, really cool. So that's just everything has been up the notch <laughs> compared to the first game and how good it looks and, you know, just the variety that it has when you're in these maps. It's just so cool. The one. I haven't done yet on Galactic Assault is Hoth. And I know in the trailer, you get to see, uh, you get to ride on Tauntauns and see Tauntauns on there. I haven't mm-hmm. experienced that yet. So I still got to play Hoth. But other than that one, I've, so far, I've loved all the maps that Galactic Assault provided. I love that mode. It's really, really fun. Yeah. You know, I would agree. Like, I love just those kind of big all out battles on there. You know, interestingly enough, I would say. <sighs> Hoth might be my least favorite Galactic Assault map so far. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that it's laid out. Well, first of all, they totally nerfed the AT-ATs in this game. I was a little really? disappointed by that. <laughs> like I've played as I've played in the AT-ATs a few times, and I feel like I like I'm lucky if I get like one or two kills every time. Um, and okay. maybe I just need to like kind of get readjusted to the controls and stuff. But it definitely you know, it feels different than it did in Battlefront 1, and it feels less powerful. So I wasn't thrilled with that. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like, I I guess playing on Hoth just kind of makes me miss the Walker Assault from the first game. Um, And I think in general, I would say Galactic Assault is an upgrade. And I do, I definitely like how on every planet, like the objectives are slightly different. Um, Yeah, that is cool. On some planets, you've got Walkers or like the MTTs or whatever. Um, Some you've got, you know, you're able to control like tanks or fly starfighters up in the sky. And some it's just infantry combat, but it's, you know, just like really big uh ground maps like for example the one where you play inside the second death star and basically the premise of it is like the rebels are you know have a blockade runner it's like during the battle of end like the battle of endor but the rebels have a ship that like crashed inside a hangar on the death star and you're trying to like infiltrate the death star like shut down the tractor beams and the turbo lasers and stuff like that and then steal another ship and escape before the death star blows up um so that was awesome because I for the first few times I played that map, I was always the Empire, and I would see you know the Republic, uh, or not the Republic, <laughs> the Rebel blockade runner crashed into the Star Destroyer. This visually, oh that's cool, that looks awesome. But then when I played as the Rebels, like you actually start in there, it was like a New Hope where you're just in the Republic. I don't know why I keep calling it the Republic, but <laughs> the Rebel blockade runner. 
Uh, you're just starting there, and then you make your way out into the Death Star. I thought that was really cool. First, I thought it was just a nice visual addition to the map, but the fact that you actually start there when there's Rebels was really awesome. Just reminded me of Rogue One and the New Hope. So mm-hmm. too bad you don't have too many battles in there, but I thought it was a nice way to kick off the mission as once you're the rebels with this really cool yeah that that's you know just a really cool visual touch in there um but that's one of those maps where like you don't obviously have any walkers or anything like that like you're just playing as ground troops and you still get to bring in heroes and stuff like that um so it's nice that in general like all the galactic assault maps it's kind of the the big maps like the big all out you know 20 versus 20 battles where you get to do a little bit of everything but there's still some variety in terms of like what's available for you to play as and in terms of the objectives and what you have to do and stuff like that um so i'm glad they didn't just make it like the standard walker assault from the last game but i don't know at least as far as the battle of hoth i miss like the focus just being on the walkers um and so i don't know i i guess it's i wouldn't say it's disappointing but that's probably just the one that i've had the least fun with um maybe just because i've also only played it a couple of times and just haven't gotten completely used to it yet and it's like when i'm not in the atat i'm just either like getting sniped by people who know the map better than i do or i'm getting like run over by some random person on a tauntaun that's just like <laughs> i'm gonna trample you um but speaking of walkers, though, I got to say, one of my favorite missions on Galactic Assault is the one on Endor, where I haven't done the Rebel side of things, but from the Imperial side, where you got to prevent the Rebels from stealing an ATAT. Mm-hmm. And once they do, like the next mode or the next aspect of that mode is where, you know, you got to try to prevent them from, you know, escaping with that walker. That was really fun. It just can get pretty chaotic, you know, trying yeah. to take that walker down. I make this to see how it is when you're on the rebel side, if you get to be in the walker, but you do. I actually, I was about to say, I played that one not too long ago. And even though just like on Hoth, it can be a little frustrating being in the ATAT or like, it doesn't feel as powerful as I wanted it to be. And I didn't get a whole lot of kills, but still being in an ATAT and knowing that you're playing it as a rebel and like shooting at stormtroopers was still really fun. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that'd be cool. So that like, the variety, like you said, the objectives if you have to do is really cool in Galactic Assault, but that one might be one of my favorites. This is really fun, no matter what side you're on, I would think, because like I said, I only did the Imperial side, but I imagine being the Rebels and trying to make your way out with that walker could be pretty fun, too. Yeah, that one's a blast. Um, but I would agree with you. I would say Kashyyyk is definitely my favorite. Um and I think that's probably the biggest map, too. I mean, just in terms of the scale and the size of it. And um, I mean, that's one of those ones where you go all out. You've got everything. You can be heroes. You can be, you know, tanks, uh, you know, the Republic ATRTs, and, um, you know, the, the droids got the AAT tank. And then you can be uh, starfighters. And, and this is one thing that I love about Galactic Assault, but it almost seems a little unfair, is they put a bunch of AI ships up in the skies for you to shoot at on some of the maps. And so it's like, I just, you know, I, I spawn in as a trooper, get just enough points to play as an ARC-170. And then, I mean, not to brag or anything, like I can do okay on the ground map sometimes as far as, you know, running around shooting people. Sometimes I do good, sometimes I do bad. 
But I'm like an ace starfighter pilot, so you get me up in the sky on a galactic assault map, and I'm just going to take down enemy ships, like, whether they're regular people, but then also when they've just got AI ships flying around up there, I'm just racking up the points, and I kind of feel bad, because, like, the rest of my team is down on the ground doing all the work, but I'm just, I'm getting just as many points as they are, and then, you know, after one or two lifetimes in a ship, I've got enough points to bring in, you know, Yoda or luke or somebody like that so um but then you get to run around kashik as yoda hacking up battle droids and i get to you know have a blast with that so that is definitely i would say the map that i've had the most fun with so far camino is also really cool and with both of those just getting to play as a clone trooper and man it's just that that is what i wanted from a battlefront yeah. game oh, awesome. um, yeah oh man i love it and you know, again, hearing like the dialogue that sounds like you're fighting a battle in a Clone Wars episode. It's just like Star Wars gaming at its finest right there. And I cannot wait till we get more Clone Wars stuff through DLC with like, you know, Geonosis and Utapau and stuff like that. Again, I'm hearing rumors and stuff that Utapau is probably going to be one of the first things we get because I think just in terms of like the DLC heroes that they're working on, it sounds like Obi-Wan and Grievous are like top of the list as far as ones that they've already kind of got ready to go. Um, I mean, I can't say for certain they haven't announced anything yet. And obviously the first ones that are coming out are Finn and Captain Phasma, but just a lot of, you know, some of the, the people I follow on social media and like YouTube channels that I follow and stuff that talk about Battlefront, it seems like a lot of the rumors and stuff are around, um, you know, Obi-Wan and Grievous maybe being the next ones to come out. And it sounds like we might also have a new reinforcement class coming too, because right now you've got the uh, the aerial class, which is like all the jump troopers for every faction. And then you've got the enforcer class, which is like the flame troopers and the Wookiees and stuff like that. Well, supposedly there's this new sentinel class, which is going to be like an arc trooper for the clones, a droidica for the droids, and I don't know what it's going to be for, like, the Rebels. Oh, I guess maybe it sounds like it might be a Rebel pilot who's got some really cool abilities. Like, he's got the, uh, he can deploy the astromech droid and, like, call an X-Wing airstrike and stuff like that. Um, so it sounds like there's going to be even more really cool content coming down the line. But I can just not get enough of the, uh, you know, the Clone Wars era stuff. But speaking of which... Um, talking about favorite maps and modes and stuff like that. Um, gosh, it's, it's hard to say for sure what my favorite mode is, but you know, the one that's probably most near and dear to my heart on a personal level has got to be Starfighter Assault. <laughs> um, and you and I were both big fans of the fighter squadron mode in the original Battlefront and loved, you know, just dogfighting in the ships over the planets, which was cool. But I mean, I was kind of pining for some space battles too. Well, we've got the space battles in this game, and we've got the Clone Wars era, and we also have one aerial battle, which, well, and I mean, like I was saying, you've got some in the um, the Galactic Assault too, which is nice because, like, when you're playing in Galactic Assault, but then you get to do, like, when you're playing on Kashyyyk or Starkiller Base and get to, like, you know, fly up in a, an X-Wing or an ARC-170 or whatever. And you're basically having these big dogfight battles with, like, other players and AI ships just above, like, the battle that's going on on the ground. That almost feels like Fighter Squadron, like, in and of itself right there. Um, so that's a lot of fun, too. 
But then in the Starfighter Assault mode itself, there's only five maps in there. Four of them are space battles. And then there's one that is, uh, you know, over the surface of a planet. And it might be just the most beautiful thing I've ever <laughs> seen in a video game. And I almost hate you right now for being able to play this on an Xbox One X because, <laughs> like, my eyes are jealous of how beautiful it must look playing Starfighter Assault on Kamino in 4K because, oh, man, just the combination of just the amazing visuals there. And it's, like, not just, like, calm Kamino. It's, like, all-out thunderstorm with, yeah. like, Republic <laughs> capital ships and droid bombers trying to take out the bridge on a Venator Star Destroyer and stuff. And then they added this thing that you never even see in the movies or anything, but, the like, at the end of the battle, this one Venator comes in with, like, this beam cannon thing on the bottom of it that is just you know so you see it's just like dark and cloudy and rainy but with these big starships in the sky and then you've got lightning bolts that are just lighting up the sky and then just this big blue laser beam that will just like cut through the battle every once in a while and i actually got killed by that for the first time the other day i was like <laughs> oh if you fly into that you actually die that's good to know um but man, it is just, it looks incredible. And again, for me being a huge fan of ships and, you know, just loving to play these starfighter battles and being a huge fan of the prequels and the Clone Wars, just getting to pilot an ARC-170 and shooting down droid fighters over Kamino or in the space battle over Ryloth, I could just do those all day to my heart's content. I freaking love it. Man, you are 100% right on Camino. You actually told me before I even got a chance to play that level where like how amazing it looked. And when I got to it, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like I, Kyle prepared me how great it was going to be, but I think it even surpassed <laughs> my expectations of how awesome it was. It looked phenomenal for all the reasons you said. It just makes it that much more fun to play through. it. It's a fun mission, like objectives that you got to do as well especially when you're playing on the Republic side, I was fortunate to do when I got to play that map, even though it was a little weird when I got uh, enough points to unlock a hero ship. And I was the only one available was Poe Dameron's X-Link, but it was still, you know, pretty awesome to fly that X-Link through the skies of Camino. It was just so, so cool. So yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. And just uh, Starfighter Assault in general is probably, yeah, my second favorite mode after Galactic Assault. Because like you said, we both love Fighter Squadron. And this one, I do like how it is objective-based for most of the missions. And it makes it, you know, more than just, you know, taking out, you know, just whoever eliminates the other team's fighters first or get to the highest amount of kills. Like, I think the set number for the first battle was like whoever gets to 200 points first wins or 400, something like that. And mm -hmm. I do, I will say that um, it would be nice if we had an option for a mode like that too, because sometimes it is just fun to fly around and just shoot down whatever spaceship you see from your enemies instead of worrying about completing objectives. So even though the objective-based yeah. stuff is fun, I'm glad, definitely glad it's there. I do wish there was maybe one of the maps where it was just, you know, shoot down as many ships as you can because <laughs> that's a lot of fun too. But overall, Starfighter Assault is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know what I want also for a DLC like season at some point is a Starfighter Assault like Battle of Endor. 
Yeah. Um, and see, I don't know if we'll get that because there is an Endor map already and it's like the aftermath of the Battle yeah. of Endor. <laughs> all the but, debris like, I want to play the legit Battle of Endor with like all the Star Destroyers and Rebel ships and stuff and then like... I mean, into the Death Star reactor. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like we got the battle station mode from the first Battlefront, where you get to blow up the first Death Star. So let us blow up the second Death Star in Battlefront too. I know. Yeah, that that could just be a map in itself. The interior, the reactor of the Death Star, or <laughs> Death Star number two. But mm-hmm. you no, know, I know what you mean. Though it would be cool, if, like one big map against Star Destroyers, the Death Star, and all that. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, so that would be a lot of fun to play. Also. Um. Oh shoot! What was I going to say? Oh, talking about the hero ships and stuff. Um, and I have to say, at first, I thought it was going to be weird being able to play as like all the heroes from all the eras, like on any map. Um, and I mean, it's still like I don't know if that's ideal. Like, if we had the option to just keep it era specific, like especially once they add more DLC heroes in, I still maybe would like to go back to keeping it that way. But at least for now, like I'm having fun with it. Um, it's not bugging me as much as I thought it yeah. might, and I've kind of gotten used to playing as you know the different heroes and stuff like that. Um, but especially in the space battles, cause I definitely don't do well enough in like the regular, you know, galactic assault to be able to play as a hero on a regular basis. But in starfighter assault, I get to play as a hero ship, like almost every match. And I don't care if you're playing as the empire or the separatists or the first order being Boba Fett slave one and setting off those seismic charges behind <laughs> you is fun. No matter like what era you're playing in. Um, being, you know, flying Poe Dameron's X-Wing and shooting down bad guys and hearing him, you know, go, yahoo and, you know, cheering and, you know, hooping and hollering and just being his, uh, enthusiastic ace pilot that he is, is fun no matter what map you're playing on. I will say the one that I'm, like, probably enjoying the least so far is just the Millennium Falcon, just because it's big and slow and everybody makes you a target even though it can soak up a ton of damage um but and i mean obviously i still love that ship but as far as you know just playing as um the hero ships in battlefront just i feel like the ones i've had the most fun with are like the more starfighter sized ones and then of course slave one because that also is kind of a big one that people will go after you in but then you can drop seismic charges and blow up all the people that are right on your tail um and man that just looks awesome and sounds awesome and is um man just you know it's so much fun to be able to do that also i will say just through playing it in battlefront i am already a huge fan of uh, kylo ren's tie silencer and we haven't (laughs) even seen it in the movie yet i have had some massive kill streaks in that thing um again just looks awesome sounds awesome the voice actor they got to play kylo ren not so awesome but (laughs) you know i can live with it and it's funny because actually i was I was watching a video on YouTube that somebody put together just showing like the faces of all the voice actors that play all the characters in Battlefront 2. And I didn't realize this, but apparently Matt Wood plays the voice of Kylo Ren when he's like got the mask on. And that sounds huh. really spot on. And I'm like, well, I'm not surprised because, you know, obviously it's heavily filtered and processed anyway. And like who better to recreate that sound than the guy who probably was responsible for making it in the movie to begin with yeah um so that voice sounds really good but then 
when yeah when he's in the starfighter um again because we're assuming he's not going to have his helmet on for most of the last jedi like you hear him without the helmet on um when you play as him in starfighter assault and it's just like eh, who did they get to play this guy because he does not really sound like adam driver yeah it was funny that you mentioned i'm glad you did about matt wood because i was going to say kylo ren was hit and miss sometimes he sounds good and sometimes he doesn't sound good but there you go <laughs> when he has his mask because that is what he does sound pretty much like adam driver and you're probably right just because of all the uh, voice effects that they have on there to make it sound muffled and all that kind of mm-hmm. hides it away but it sounds pretty much just like how he does in the force awakens but no i probably haven't played as much in the tie silencer as you did but i when i did do it it was a blast to fly in and i did get some uh, pretty good kills on that one too so i totally know what you're talking about about piloting that ship I got a few good star cards for it too. So it's like one of the few ships I got some star cards on. And mm-hmm. thank goodness it's that one because you're right, it is really fun to play as. Yeah, well, and I think uh, you should have got at least one like epic level one as a pre order bonus, right? Did I? I don't know if it's an epic level one. I th- Well, I th- mm, I've got one on there, and I don't know if it came as a pre order bonus or if I just got lucky and like got one somehow. But yeah, I've got a purple rarity um you know like the epic level rarity or whatever star card on there um and then i think i've got one for ray's falcon too i know i got a few for just uh for ray just when you as her hero character but Mm -hmm. i don't know for some reason i don't think i got it for the tie silencer but i might be wrong yeah maybe you might want to go and check that again because i know i've got one on there um but anyway yeah so the the tie silencer slave one um you know i've had a blast with those darth maul's scimitar is also pretty fun to play as i haven't played as vader's tie fighter a lot surprisingly um and i haven't played a ton as darth maul but i have been playing him like i play as him a lot when i'm playing as the separatist because one thing that is kind of nice i feel like they almost try to like encourage you to play as the the appropriate hero for like the era that you're playing as because those heroes are always cheaper to unlock than mm-hmm. the rest of them um like you know for example if you're playing as the separatist like playing as darth maul on the ground is going to cost six thousand points as opposed to eight thousand and then playing as a ship in a space battle is going to be two thousand points as opposed to three thousand so oh, also yeah you get to those point totals a lot faster um for the hero ships too which is why i've played as i've spent so much more time in hero ships than i've played than i've spent actually playing (laughs) heroes like in galactic assault um but yeah so i mean those guys are all fun to play as on the dark side and then for the uh the hero ships you know you got luke's x-wing poe dameron's x-wing um and then you got like two different versions of the falcon you've got ray and chew or well ray and chewies and then han and chewies falcon um and then you get yoda's jedi interceptor which is funny because i at first didn't really like yoda's ship like it took me a while to get used to it. it's very like fast and nimble and i thought it was like almost hard to control and to like you know be able to shoot people down but after playing the game for a couple weeks and getting really used to the starfighter mode then i went back to it and just went on a tear with it the other day and i was like oh man i love this ship um the one thing i will say is yoda's starfighter is like a piece of paper 
I mean, at least as far <laughs> as health wise, like it's, uh, it's got about the same amount of health as just a regular starfighter would when you would expect that like the hero ships are all going to be a little beefier, but at least with Yoda's because he's so like small and fast and zippy, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Cause he's kind of harder to hit. Um, and he has some good abilities. Like he's got a, uh, an afterburner boost that will, you know, let him evade missiles and get away from enemies that are shooting at him and stuff. But I remember like one of the first times I ever played as Yoda's starfighter, I got taken out in one hit by slave one's uh, seismic charge. And I was like, <laughs> I could see that, <laughs> you know, I feel like I should be able to withstand that as a fellow hero ship. Like I kind of felt cheated out of that, but nonetheless, um, like I said, I've, I've been enjoying it more lately. So, um, but yeah, again, just, I mean, I'm at my happiest when I'm just flying an ARP 170 over Kamino or in the space battle over Ryloth and shooting down droid fighters. And it's just like, yep, this is what I wanted a battlefront game to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just going back to real quick, the whole thing with hero ships and hero pickups and all that. Uh, that's still probably one of my biggest nitpicks about the multiplayer campaign is uh, my fear about not being able to unlock heroes and play as them is ended up coming true. I don't think I've been a hero character. I've flown a few ships, but a hero character, I don't think I've got to be yet other than heroes versus villains, which, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but I will say on the plus side, I was worried about not being able to get some of the support troops as well. But I have played enough modes where I got to be the Death Troopers for quite a few rounds, which is awesome. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, one of them still kind of a nitpick. The other one, I, my fears didn't come true. As long as I get to be Death Troopers, it still makes it, you know, fun to <laughs> change it up and get to be them. So mm-hmm. I do pretty good as them, too, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, and that's nice because then even if you don't get to play as a hero, like not everybody's going to get to play as a hero every round, but you at least get to you know, have some fun with something, whether you're playing as exactly. a, a death trooper or a jetpack trooper, or you're getting to be in like an ATST or an ATRT or an AAT or something like that. Um, you know, you, you, it's not hard to, uh, or even, you know, if you're flying an X-wing in like galactic assault or something like that, um, you know, it, it's not hard to save up enough points just to be able to get to do something fun other than just play as a regular trooper. Yep. It was funny. I think I even died like a dead trooper in Rogue One. I was about to throw a grenade, but before I got to throw it off, I got shot. <laughs> I wish it would have went off or I would have saw it went off, but it didn't. But yeah, I know. Like, right? I was like, uh, not too bad of a way to die if it's like the movie. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we are having an absolute blast with the game so far. Um, and then to just kind of look forward to some of the DLC that's coming out. Um, and we talked about this a little bit already, like obviously the last Jedi season is the first thing coming up here. The season itself actually just started this week. So if you log into the game right now, you can choose your faction between the first order and the resistance. And I think basically the main difference that it makes is like you pick a side and then each side has like challenges that they're going to have to complete during the season. And at the end of the season, um you'll get individual rewards for all the challenges the challenges that you've completed but then i think also it's like whichever side has completed the most challenges or something um like if the first order wins then everybody who picked the first order will get an epic star card for captain phasma and if the resistance wins then whoever 
picked, the resistance will get an epic star card for Finn. So I pick a wild guess which one I picked, Kyle. <laughs> oh, did you already pick? Oh, you know, <clears throat> dang it, I should have known which one you were gonna pick. I picked the resistance just because oh. <laughs> I have more fun. Like I love flying Poe Dameron's X-Wing. Although I also love flying Kylo Ren's TIE silencer, but in general, I like flying the resistance like X-Wings and A-Wings. I have more fun with those than I do in their regular TIE fighters. So I kind of based it by which one I felt like I was going to do better with in Starfighter Assault. And then wouldn't you know, like the main challenge for the event is get 50 kills with each of the ground classes and i'm like oh so much for my space expertise see i didn't even think about it like that in depth i just thought you know captain faz was on the first order first order <laughs> that yeah. was the extent of my well, about which i was do. kind of trying to think outside the box too because i figured like everybody's probably going to go for the bad guys and it's like do i want to be on the winning team just to pick the one that everybody else is going to pick or do i want to try to like fight for the underdogs and i was like well i guess this once i'll go with the you know i'll, I'll go with the uh the resistance because obviously if they hit, you know once they do clone war seasons like i'm picking the republic oh, 10 times out of too. 10 yeah <laughs> and then when they pick like you know if they if they do a galactic civil war one where it's the rebels against the empire that one i'll probably pick the empire just because i know everybody else is going to pick the empire and i just want to be on the winning side so i was like yeah this time i'll just i'll pick the underdogs and go with the resistance but uh yeah we'll see how it ends up um but then december 13th is when they're releasing all the new content for it so that's when we get the uh battle of crate galactic assault map we get the battle of dakar starfighter assault map um, You're forgetting about that's included in there i mean this is another added thing that i'm not expecting which is going to be cool to play as yeah and then we also get the uh the new chapters for the campaign as well and they just released a trailer for all that stuff today so that's looking pretty sweet um especially man the battle of crate looks like it's going to be really fun also it looks like they're updating poe dameron's uh x-wing you know the hero ship to have like that afterburner thing on the back like he's got in the new movie so uh that'll be cool and i wonder if that's gonna if it's gonna like replace one of the abilities that he already has or if they're gonna add that in addition and maybe he'll have four abilities and then i'll love playing as poe dameron's x-wing even more than i already do <laughs> Um, cause that's probably, you know, one of the hero ships that I do the best as when I'm on the light side, like that's kind of my main go-to, I would say at this point. Um, although, like I said, I'm getting more comfortable with Yoda, but definitely like Yoda, Luke and Poe, um, are the ones I enjoy the most, but I, I would say Poe's probably still top of the list as far as my favorite light side hero ships. Yeah, man, that trailer for the battle of crate, it just made me think. You know, it looks that battle looks awesome just for, you know, the Battlefront game. And we haven't seen too much of the movie. And just imagine how awesome it's going to be to see it in the movie. I and mean, mm -hmm. maybe they showed more of it in some of the more recent TV spots in that international trailer. But like we said, kind of kept away from them. So this is kind of the most I've seen of the Battle of Crate in the yeah, Battlefront 2 trailer. So this makes me even more excited for that battle in the actual movie. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, definitely. And it's awesome that we'll get to go see it in the movie and then come right home and play it in the game. Yep. <laughs> Which we didn't quite get to do in with the first Battlefront, because even though they had the uh, Jakku DLC, it was like more like you, you were playing the actual Battle of Jakku, kind of like you play in the campaign in this game. 
um, and it wasn't actually set during like the time period of the Force Awakens, which obviously in the Force Awakens there wasn't really a battle on Jakku, anyways. Um, but now, like obviously with the Battle of Crate, that's going to be taken straight from the movie, and we'll get to jump right into that. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll see how those uh, speed speeders uh, play out <laughs> as a controller. Those in the game, I'm curious to see how unique those are going to be from a mm-hmm. gameplay standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And maybe um, those uh, uh, gorilla walkers would, you know, pack more of a punch than the ATATs <laughs> and the other matches uh, you were talking I about. I so. certainly hope so. I I think they will because you would, yeah, you would be expect them to. And, you know, yeah, they're supposed to pack a bigger punch. But um, anyway, yeah, definitely looking forward to getting all that new content next week. And then we'll have, you know, at least a couple days that we can play that. And that'll hold us over while we're eagerly anticipating waiting to go see the movie. So um, although actually, I mean, it comes out the 13th. That's only like one day before we're actually going to be seeing the movie. Um, Man, I still can't believe that's just next week. Hurry up and get here already. Ah, come on. If only the... Battlefront 2 was on the Switch. I could take it and play it while I wait online mm-hmm. <laughs> for the movie. Oh, yeah, right. Man, how cool would that be? I know. I would buy two copies just for that to have it on the go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, I wouldn't blame you. Um, all right. Well, I think we've pretty much hit all the main points of talking about the game. I mean, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we uh, wrap up here? Uh, nope. I think that's about it. I think I guess the only other thing I would say is I haven't played too much of it, but what I did, Heroes versus Villains, I think is much better than the version we got in the first Battlefront. Because I know we got mm-hmm. a few uh, listeners respond to on Twitter telling us like when the game first came out how much fun Heroes versus Villains was, and I was like, really? That was like the least favorite in the first Battlefront, but it is better. And the maps on there are really cool too. Like playing on feed, and you know, just playing in the reactor core and the boo where Darth Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon had their fight was mm. really cool. So from a visual standpoint, it's awesome. And, you know, just the fact that it's four heroes against four villains and you don't have to be any troops or whatnot, this makes it a lot more fun too. So that was a, a big improvement that, you know, was nice to see. So it's not an automatically pay no attention to the hero versus villains mode when you're looking to play something. You actually think about, oh, maybe I should play some heroes versus villains. So it's definitely an improvement, which was nice. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I need to get back and play more of that because I think I've only played that like once. Um, and it's not that I didn't like it, although, you know, I think I played with Paul. I don't think you were there with us, but we totally got our butts kicked just because we were playing against a very well-coordinated team. I feel like all four of those people were probably like playing together. Um but, you know, so we didn't do well, but we definitely had a lot of fun with it. But it's just every time I get on, I'm like, okay, do I want to play as a clone trooper or do I want to fly spaceships? <laughs> and Heroes versus Villains just, like, doesn't always cross my mind. But, um, yeah, like, I've seen gameplay footage of, uh, you know, that game mode, like, in the the uh, feed palace core there and everything. Um, but I haven't gotten to play that map yet, so I want to go check that out. Um, like so, I say, it was pretty fun. I was Yoda for most of that match, just walking up to that reactor core level with all the chasms, running up to Darth Vader force, pushing him off there, <laughs> and then <laughs> getting a point for the match. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Yeah, I definitely got to check that out at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I think even just from the little bit that I played, I think that's a lot more fun than it was in the original Battlefront. 
Um, it's nice to have that mode again where it, it's just, even if they're not big teams, like just to have all out teams of like just heroes and villains going at it and not to have like only certain people get to play as it or have, you know, half heroes and half like regular troopers waiting for their turn to play as a hero. Yeah. It's like, not just let the Jedi and Sith and the smugglers and the bounty hunters go at it. Exactly. And how, you know, it's not just all out. You just go after every character you see and try to get the points. There's one, I mean, you were telling me before I even played it, how it's kind of like a combination of heroes versus villains and hero hunt where it selects, to like a character from each, each team that you got to attack in order to get the point. So that makes it a little more objective based than just, you know, flat out free for all and mm-hmm. whoever kills each other the fastest. Cause I think matches can end pretty quickly if that was the case, but yeah, so definitely. it's nice that they have a central character you got to focus on. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was, uh, you yeah, added some good focus to it too. So, um, definitely seemed like that was an improvement. And again, like I would say, aside from, just those kind of sticky issues with like the microtransactions and the progression system and stuff like that on the whole. And at least, you know, definitely as far as gameplay graphics and amount of content, I would say this is definitely a step in the right direction from the first battlefront game. Um, a worthy successor to a game that we had a lot of fun with the first time around. And honestly, I would say a game that lives up to its namesake. Um, you know, it's it's worthy of being called Star Wars Battlefront 2, which, like, the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 was one of my... Still probably is my most played game of all time. Um, and I would say is, you know, in probably my top three favorite video games of all time, right up there with, like, Knights of the Old Republic. And I honestly, I think I would say Mass Effect 2 is my favorite video game of all time. Um but, you know, who knows with the the amount of DLC and stuff that we could be adding for this game, this could be pushing into contention for a, a top three spot. Um, or I can just say that, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is one of my favorite games. You'd be like, which one? Both. Yeah. <laughs> you can just say pick one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I got to say, though, I was worried that I wouldn't have as much fun with this game as I was hoping for, especially, you know, with the added stuff that I was looking forward to, like the prequel planets and the sequel trilogy planets and characters, but all that, you know, controversy surrounding it and being, you know, so outmatched in those uh, multiplayer matches where I just, you know, get killed so many times it wouldn't be fun. But I always thought, you know, as long as I play with my friends like you and Paul, even though if I died a million times, it would still be fun playing with you guys. But I was always worried that it would take a little bit of the fun away, but glad to say that wasn't the case. You know, I have matches where I, I do pretty bad, but for the most of the times, you know, it's not like I don't get any kills. I contribute to the team, <laughs> which is, mm-hmm. you know, at least a little bit what makes it fun. So, yeah, and then you just throw in how great the game looks, how amazing the maps are, and how fun it is to play. Like, even, like, the didn't get great reviews, but from most of the reviews I read from sites like Game Informer and IGN, they didn't, it didn't get good scores. It got, like, 6 out of 10, I believe, like 6 or 7, but all those reviews they still said the game is actually really fun there's a great game in here it just gets bogged down by some of those you know annoyances through the microtransactions and the progressions but once you get into the actual you know meat of the game it's really really fun and everything we were hoping for so you just kind of kind of have to get past that and if you're able to there's a great star wars gaming experience waiting for you so 
hopefully, you know, for those who, you know, weren't sure about getting it just because of all the controversy surrounding it, um, I think it's definitely worth a try, at least like if for a rental or something like that, just to experience it and see if you want to play more of it. Because I think it is some it's at least worth a try with how fun and how great the, the game looks. So when you combine those two, it makes for a great Star Wars gaming experience, in my opinion. Yeah, shoot. It is worth it just for playing Starfighter Assault over Camino, in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, if you're if you're a fan of Starship battles and prequel era stuff and clone troopers and especially ARC 170s, like I just love those ships in general. Those have always been one of my favorites. And so that's part of the reason that I just love that so much. But um, yeah, I am definitely happy with it and like you were saying i mean it has those kind of issues surrounding it but if you can look past that yeah there's a game that's a solid like eight or nine out of ten um underneath there with hopefully just more great content to come in the future so hopefully they get all the issues worked out um and you know can find a way to re-implement the microtransactions without like hurting the balance of the game and the fairness for people who don't want to pay for it and you know maybe add a system where you can pay real money to add to buy like additional clone trooper skins or something like that um and then fix the progression system so that you can like level up your characters without just having to get random stuff out of crates for them but yeah as far as just playing the battles and um you know enjoying the actual gameplay of it um, it's a blast. And even, you know, the campaign, you know, like we were saying, not the best story, but it's just, you know, a fun Star Wars experience to play through. And I would say in this case, like, I mean, a single player campaign wasn't the highest thing on my wish list for this game anyways, like by far. Heck, if I could have traded the campaign for like three more Clone Wars maps with more heroes, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Um, like I'll take Anakin Skywalker over Iden Versio any day, but I enjoyed the campaign. Like I said, didn't love it, but I, at the same time, I would say, you know, camp, some campaign is better than no campaign. And I definitely enjoyed that experience too. And that just added to, um, the amount of content that makes this game feel like much more of a complete package right out of the gate than, uh, the last battlefront game was. So, um, yeah, I would call it a success and I can't wait to see, uh, what they continue to do with it in the future. And I can't wait to just keep playing it and enjoying it in the meantime. Nope. I agree. I just need to find the time to play it more. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah, nice. Yes, you do. <laughs> so you don't leave me and Paul and, you know, some of our other friends playing and going, hey, where's Tim? I haven't seen him on in a while. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm on. Oh, wait. You oh, guys are we all, all just went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, now that I've got a new job and stuff and I have to go to bed like way earlier than I, you know, used to. Um, I can't remember the last time I stayed up till, you know, two in the morning playing Battlefront. And that used to be something I would kind of do on the regular. Uh, yeah, um, I just got to look forward to weekends for those scenarios now. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, and actually, yeah, I have spent a couple of really late nights on the weekend. But during the week, I try to go to bed by like 10 or 11. Which is weird for me, but that's what I'm adjusting to these days. Yep. Got to do what you got to do. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it for the Battlefront discussion. You know, we've pretty much talked about all the, you know, our thoughts on that. We talked a little bit about, you know, The Last Jedi and, uh, you know, just what we have to look forward to coming up next week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty much all we've got to hit for this episode. You want to uh, head over to twitter and facebook responses and all that good stuff 
yeah, so kind of wanted to get a take on what everyone else <laughs> thought of Battlefront 2. I know we were gushing over it, so uh, we'll see what some of our listeners thought of it. So first off, I put a poll up on Twitter, and I think we're going to find that a lot of our listeners and Twitter followers are in agreement with what we said on this episode about the game, because 62% said it's awesome, and then 8% said it was enjoyable but has flaws, and thankfully 0% said very disappointing, but <laughs> 30% didn't even buy it. So I think there is still a little bit of that you know, a little bit of uncertainty about wanting to dive into this game with all the backlash it got. So, like we said, hopefully those, you know, still unsure about it will give it a chance. Mm -hmm. But Well, and in all fairness, I'm sure not all of our listeners are gamers either. And, you know, if you're just not into the video gaming side of Star Wars, that's fine too. But, um, yeah, if you have any interest in the game whatsoever, I would definitely recommend picking it up. Yeah, totally. But then also um, some of our loyal listeners chimed in on their thoughts of the game. First off was Caleb uh, Klingon at Caleb underscore Klingon 5 says, The game made me fall in love with Kylo Ren even more, which is exactly what I think Star Wars games are supposed to do. Help you fall more deeply in love with the universe and characters. The game truly feels like a playground for what it is, and I couldn't love it more. Then Joseph Golden at CCStar1138 says, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is everything I wanted it to be. I'm not really a multiplayer kind of guy, so playing both the story mode and arcade mode were very satisfying. I can't wait to see what else comes down the line for Battlefront 2 in the free DLC. In short, I love this game. And then Paul J at JJ Farms 31 says, love the game. The story mode is a lot of fun. The multiplayer maps are great, but the game pl- gameplay seems a little slower than the original Battlefront, and I'm pretty much resigned to never being a hero in the larger multiplayer game modes. I guess I need to head to Camino for more training. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you there, Paul, <laughs> as far as the you know, multiplayer match and not getting enough credits to be the hero characters in. I would gladly, if they just had a training mode where you're on Camino, I can imagine, you know, probably me and you, Kyle, spending a lot of time just <laughs> in the training scenarios on Camino. That would be cool. <laughs> but, yeah, we didn't talk too much about uh, the arcade mode that uh, Joseph mentioned in his comment. I haven't done a lot of it, but it is still, like, a fun distraction if you don't want to do fun, I mean, just, like, full-on multiplayer matches and you just want to play in you know certain eras of star wars that are included in the game and just finish some objectives or just shoot out some troops even there's some where you get to be hero characters for certain rounds so i i agree that it is a nice mode to have in there for something a little different if you do want to do you know take a break from the multiplayer or the campaign or whatnot and just to play by yourself so arcade mode is definitely a nice little addition to have in there as well i thought yeah and i've had some fun with that too i haven't played it a ton but i have spent a little bit of time with it and I mean, again, for me, um, I mean, I would obviously rather just spend my time playing the actual multiplayer mode. I think, um, well, in the arcade mode, there's these, like, scenarios that you go through. um, And you have, like, light side and dark side ones where it's, like, on specific maps and you have specific characters that you can play as. And there's kind of, you know, you have a certain challenge that you have to meet. Um, And I've done all of those, at least all on the easiest difficulty, just to get, like, the achievements for them. Um, and then you also have custom arcade where you can basically set up just like a, a battle and, you know, determine how many units you want on each side. And, um, but it's just you versus AI instead of actual players. Um, and so I've done that a couple times too. That's usually like if it's late at night and I know I need to go to bed, but I feel like playing some battlefront, but I don't feel like getting sucked into the multiplayer and, you know, playing like two hours of galactic assault. And I'm like, you know what, I'll just do a little, uh, 
you know, arcade mode and like just play as Yoda and kill some battle droids for 10 minutes and then go to bed. Um, so it is, you know, it, it's a fun little distraction for me, but it's definitely nice to have that in there, especially for people that prefer playing the single player and, um, you know, want to be able to experience kind of some of those bigger battles and like the multiplayer type maps without actually playing against other people. Yeah, totally. It's definitely good to have more options on the single player aspect of it than just a campaign for, you know, the reasons we stated. So definitely mm -hmm. glad it's there. Yeah. And again, you know, definitely not like the biggest draw of it for me, but just helps add to that feeling of like, I don't know, having more to do and, and just, mm -hmm. you know, having more content in the game. Yeah. Cause uh, like I was thinking, you were mentioning how like you didn't feel like getting sucked into long multiplayer matches, but even on the opposite where I was trying to get into some multiplayer matches that I wanted to do, but for some reason there weren't enough players, but I wanted to play something. So <laughs> that's good. I just went to the arcade mode and played a few of those scenarios on there, which was again, a nice option to have in case those situations come up where you can't get into a multiplayer match for whatever reason, but you still want to shoot something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it for our responses. Thank you, Caleb, Joseph, and Paul for chiming in on your thoughts for Battlefront 2. Glad it seems that all you guys loved it as much as we did. So good to hear the, some more positive feedback about the game. So thank you for your responses as always. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys always for, uh, you know, reaching out to us. Hope you're still enjoying the game as much as we are and hope you guys all enjoy the uh, new, you know, Last Jedi DLC and all that kind of stuff. More importantly, hope you guys all enjoy The Last Jedi. Um, so, uh, yeah, we will be back obviously sometime, possibly next week, if not definitely the week after. Um, you know, like I said, if we don't do some last kind of... Uh, you know, pre-movie episode uh, for The Last Jedi next week, then uh, you can look forward to a very heavy and meaty uh, review episode after we've seen the movie. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, super excited for that. But until then, as always, you can find us on social media. Uh, you know, on you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Um, and also be able to, or uh, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the, uh, you know, info and stuff on all the other uh, cool podcasts we've got here on the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, and actually, if you're interested, you can check out our Patreon. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to donate to that, that obviously helps us to continue to, um, you know, be able to put out all this awesome content for you guys. And we have a, I think it's a month or supposed to be monthly podcast. That's just exclusive for Patreon subscribers. Um, and I was actually on the most recent episode of that with, uh, Michael Cohen, who's kind of, you know, the, uh, the big brain behind all this whole operation. Um, but occasionally, you know, he'll do these episodes where he takes the hosts from the different shows and we'll just do like a one-on-one -on -one interview with them. Um, so I got to do, uh, you know, talk with him on the last one. 
Um, and we had a lot of fun talking about, um, you know, just kind of my history. I guess he's been talking to everybody just about like nerdy stuff in general. Um, yeah, like, like our nerd origin stories. <laughs> exactly. Which mine basically ended up just being a Star Wars origin story because that was like, the first <laughs> thing I was into. And that was most of what we talked about. And, you know, on the episode, he kind of apologizes like, yeah, you know how those guys do like the my Star Wars story? Like we kind of accidentally stole that. But I'm like, that's basically what my nerd story is. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, you can find the details about that as well over on that Thunderquack site. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. As always, thank you guys for listening. We will see you soon with, uh, lots of last Jedi stuff to talk about. Can't wait for that. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>